Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, everybody. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whatever time you get a chance to plug into the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thursday, April 29th, week 15 in the NHL. And episode 15 here for me and the guys at THS. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cutman, holding down the board here at the Go Hockey Media Studios on Long Island, New York. And as always, we'll hook up with my line mates that'll be coming on here to talk puck, as we always do here on THS. We'll start up in the great city of Buffalo, and we'll catch up with Joe Yurden, and we'll talk some Sabres and the East Division. Then we'll head out west, yes, west, to talk to Tim Bamford, who's out in California. And we'll talk some Chicago Blackhawks and the Central Division. And then we'll head up to the Great White North, and we'll catch up with Costa Papalias in the great city of Montreal. We'll see how the Habs are doing and check in on the Great White North Division as well. And then finally, last but not least, we'll always head out to California again talk with our buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, and we'll catch up with him, how the Devils are rounding out their season, and of course, the Western Division. So how's everybody doing? Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. That's all we can talk about right now as we're wrapping up this NHL season here. About two weeks left, two and a half weeks tops. If you want to include uh, how many games left the uh, Vancouver Canucks have before they finish out their season after getting back on the ice after COVID, I think they have about seven games left. Most teams, you know, pretty much have around six, five games left here uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, before things wrap up here. Most of the top teams in all the divisions have pretty much wrapped up their spots. Still up for grabs here in the East, and uh, one or two more, we'll get into that. You know, the fourth spot is still open in pretty much every division as well, too. And depending on what happens this weekend, and definitely by next week, that should all change. Uh, you've also got the uh, one and two team, one and two and three teams, you know, uh, first, second, and third place teams looking for that uh, top spot, top two spot to get home ice advantage in the first round. So let's start as we always do. We got uh, seven games uh, on the schedule uh, last night. Uh, Sens beat up the Canucks 6-3. to Blues beat the Wild 4-3. The Leafs beat the Habs 4-1. to The Oilers beat the Jets 3-1. to And the Knights beat the Avs 5-2. to And then late night, we had the Ducks beat the Kings 3-2. to And then the Sharks beat the Yotes 4-2. to Yotes are not helping out their playoff aspirations right there with that loss. So, and uh, as far as the Ducks and the Kings there as well, the bright spot was obviously Quinton Byfield making his debut for the Kings, young forward in the 3-2 loss to the Ducks. And as far as uh, everything else is concerned there, just looking at some of these games, obviously the the Knights and the Avs going at it. Man, uh, just two great teams. Uh, The the playoffs here are just going to be unbelievable. Uh, as far as that Western division is concerned and, uh, you know, pretty much every division here too. I, you know, I'm rambling on here about this, but it's just the truth. When you start looking down at the sheets, you know, you almost get the point right now where, okay, let's just wrap up the regular season. Let's get going here. Let's start seeing these teams play each other in a seven game series, you know, and, uh, that's what you got to get hyped for. And that's what we're all about here as far as hockey fans and, and following this season, which has been, uh, pretty awesome blues four. Wild three last night. Blues just picking a, a couple more points. It'll be something to see what happens uh, if they get that fourth spot in the um, 
in the West Division there too. That'll be some comeback by them as far as uh, you know how their season was this year. But you got to hand it to them. Uh, they are ahead of the Coyotes right now by three points. Like I said, huge loss for the Yotes losing last night. And, uh, you know, be just something else. Maybe it all makes sense. Maybe that's the Blues should have been there all the time. And it just makes sense that they get in there. So a few games left, and uh, they should be able to seal the deal. Most teams right now can basically just control their own fate. You just got to win. Win, and you're in. If you're ahead of somebody, that's it. All you got to do, especially in that fourth spot. All right, let's look at what's going on tonight. We got 10 games on the schedule, all huge. Maybe there's one or two here that really don't matter. But stars at the bolts. It's Again, it's all for positioning. Sabres at Bruins. Bruins need this. They want to stay ahead of the Rangers and stay in the mix there with the Islanders and maybe go for that uh, second spot here, maybe against the, the Penguins too as well. Flyers at the Devils. Man, it's uh, unbelievable. The Flyers look like they're just going to you know, finish. I heard Carter Hart is out now for the rest of the season. Didn't think it was going to end this way for the Flyers, but you know they've got the you know game here against the Devils, but it looks like they're going to be done here soon. Uh, just the, the way the last uh, month or so went for them. Very surprising. Islanders at Rangers tonight. My Rangers taking on the Islanders. You can't ask for anything more. Huge game. Rangers have to win. And if they win tonight, man, they'll get into the psyche of the Islanders' head a little bit. They're, they're struggling. They haven't won in three games. They're having trouble scoring. You know, it's kind of like what's going on with the Islanders. doesn't make any sense. But if they win tonight, they can probably put a nail or at least another nail in the Rangers' playoffs hopes, you know, for the season. But if the Rangers win tonight at home, Man, just a huge two points. And, and maybe the Rangers don't have to necessarily worry about catching the Bruins. They can start looking at catching the Islanders. But we'll see what happens. The Islanders have a couple games left with the Sabres, I believe, too. But anyway, way ahead of myself tonight. But a great game on tap. Rangers Islanders fans going to be going nuts. No doubt about it. Pens and Caps. You know, Pens and the Caps now are flipping back and forth for first place in division. You can never lose uh, with this matchup. Ovi's still resting. Uh, and, you know, Sid's in there, too. So it should be uh, a great game, even though Ovi's not going to be in the lineup. Pens and Caps, always a good matchup. Wings at Canes, big game for the Canes, obviously. They just need the points. Try and keep uh, up there in the in top of the division there in the Central. And then the Canucks are at the Leafs. You know, the Canucks are just finishing out this schedule. At least are going to try and get out of these games without injury and try and, uh, you know, they clinch the spot into the playoffs. And they're looking to want to, you know, win that division as well, too. Blues at the Wild again tonight, which is going to be sick. Uh, just a huge, you know, matchup. And the Wild got to get two points back. You know, it's just a back and forth. Pendulum. Blues need it, obviously, to, to stay in that fourth spot. Uh, Pants at the Hawks. We'll talk about the Hawks a little later on with Tab. Seven points back now. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen for the Hawks uh, with regards to them making the playoffs. And, you know, now it's now it's Dallas and Nashville pretty much probably going to, you know, play for that fourth spot. And the Hawks had a fun season, man. They got a lot of bright spots, a lot of changes that got to be made there. But uh, we'll get into it, Tab, uh, a little long, later on. And then rounding out the schedule is the Flames at the Oilers. You know, obvious stuff here. Flames need the points. Oilers want the points. To the winner goes the spoils. So there's your 10 games on the schedule tonight. A quick rundown of the standings and who's in right now as far as the playoffs are concerned. Uh, Vegas, 72 points in the first spot, top of the league. Canes in second place, 71. They're also in the playoffs. Florida Panthers, 69 points in third place in the league. They are also in the playoffs. The Bolts, 68 points. They've punched in their ticket to uh, the playoffs. The Caps have 68. Still have not punched the ticket in yet. The Leafs are in with 67 points at 6th place. Pittsburgh, still not clinched yet, but they are in 7th 
67 points in the league. The Avs have clinched the playoff spot, and they're at 66 points in eighth place. The Wild also are in the playoffs in ninth place with 65 points. Tenth place in the league, the Islanders with 63. Not in yet. Boston with 62 in 11th place. <clears throat> and then the uh, Oilers there are in 12th with 60 points. And then look at this. The New York Rangers are in 13th place with 58 points ahead of Winnipeg with 30, uh, 57 points in 14th, ahead of Nashville in 15th place with 56 points, ahead of the Stars with 44 points in 16th place. I'm sorry, 54 points. Apologize there. And the Habs there, I'm going to add them as a 17 team because that would be the, the team that would take the Rangers' spot there, obviously. Uh, they've got uh, 51 points in 17th place. So the Rangers, if they were in any of the other divisions there, they would be in the playoffs right now and actually have a um, seven-point lead on the Habs. They have a four-point lead on the Stars, two-point lead on the Preds, and a point lead on the Winnipeg Jets. Crazy. But that's how it goes. Or as they say, the kids say, that's how the cookie crumbles. There you go. All right, who's hot uh, in the league? Still stuff. We do this every week here. Uh, McDavid, 84 points, top of the leagues. Matthews, 35 goals now. McDavid, you know, leading the league with assists with 56 assists. Pavelski still has 12 power play goals. Vasilevsky is leading the league now with 29 wins in the Nets. And Grubauer, Flurry, and Varlamov have five shutouts to wrap up the stars in the Nets there for the NHL. A couple of quick uh, news notes there. Um, just want to mention again, uh, you know, with regards to, like I said, Carter's going to be out for the Flyers for the rest of the season. Ryan Miller is retiring from the Anaheim Ducks at the end of this year. He just announced. Uh, and when he does, he will be the winningest U.S. goaltender in National Hockey League history. So uh, congrats to Ryan Miller on a great career. Silver medal with the U.S. in the Olympics a few years back. Oh, so close. Uh, but uh, great career for Ryan. Buffalo, Vancouver, a couple other stops, uh, finishing things up in Anaheim. So congrats to him and good luck to him in the future. And, uh, you know, the TV talk is pretty much done as far as the rights here. Obviously, the big announcement with the NHL going back to ESPN. And now it looks like the um, Turner Network is picking up the rest of the TV rights. So that's all squared away. And last thing is some, some weird news that, uh, you know, with the COVID up in the uh, in Canada and Ontario, and we talked about this with Costa last week, you know, depending on what happens with the, you know, when we get there, by the time we get there, but whoever comes out of the Canadian division uh, to go to the, you know, the next rounds to, to play the teams in the States, uh, they may have to come down here and not be able to play in, let's say if it was Toronto or any, any team in Canada. It looks like they're going to have to play their home game somewhere else. So lots of stuff going on here with the league. Uh, no real need for me to ramble on here about this. Everybody knows what's going on, where the standings are, uh, what has to be done. Teams just that, that want to get in, that need to get in, they just got to win the games. Uh, super schedule. If you're a hockey fan, you just got to love the games, how everything's uh, winding up here. We're going to get a fantastic playoff season. If your team doesn't get in, the bright news is, is that you know the break in between this season and the next season isn't really going to be that long. And hopefully uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed the way things are going here in, uh, in North America and vaccines and cases going down. And hopefully they can straighten things out up in Canada too. Uh, we get back to full buildings, capacity, regular season, full schedule, and a little bit normalcy as we uh, move into the 2021-22 season. Well, how about that? All right. So good stuff to look forward to one way or the other. Hard to believe this 56-game schedule is coming down to a close. Uh, we got a couple weeks left here of the regular season. And then we'll move into playoff talk right here on THS. And once again, we can't thank you guys enough for hanging with us here. 
um, following us, subscribing, listening, commenting, all that stuff. We really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Well, that's enough of me. It's time to bring in my line mates. And as always, we start off in the face-off circle with the great Joe Yarden from the great city of Buffalo in New York, baby. Joe, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Welcome back. Paulie, it's, it's a beautiful day to be back. It's nice to be back talking with you. Tell you, man. New York, I mean, with the summer coming in and COVID expan- expansions here and capacities and the governor's lifting all kinds of stuff. New York City's coming back July 1st. Go to concerts. It's getting crazy down here. It's wild. It's wild, man. Like I've, I've seen like concert announcements up here for like towards the end of like the the end of summer and into the fall and into next year and I'm like oh boy oh boy is that nor is that normalcy coming back I'm, I'm yeah. not sure I'm, I don't know how to, I don't know how to think about it get your vaccination card so you can come on in <laughs> I know it I saw I saw that they got Genesis coming to, to the new Islanders arena and I'm like do I gotta co- do I gotta go down to Long Island now do I have to do I have to scrounge up probably like five thousand dollars to get a ticket to go see Genesis <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Ah, come on. Just hit my brother up. I'm sure he's got a, you know, I think he's got season <laughs> tickets over there for next year. So he'll squeeze Perfect. you. I'm sure the, I'm sure the Genesis ticket was part of the package, you know? You know? <laughs> yeah, you got to twist Islanders fans to get seats at the new gorgeous facility. You got to really twist their arm into buying seasons. It's like, hey, we'll throw in a free Genesis ticket. What do you think? Like, you All go. right, maybe I'll get them now. Too much, man. The invisible touch, baby, coming to Long Island, the new building. It's gonna be crazy, man. So we got, yeah, we got the Islanders' new building coming in next year, and we have um, the Seattle Kraken, baby, with the new, yeah, the refurbished arena, I should say. I just say they, they keep talking about it like it's a whole new building, and I'm like, no, that's Key Arena, man. Like that's, that's right, <laughs> it's Key Arena, but like they ripped out everything, so it's not Key Arena. Do you ever get to the Key Arena? No, no, I I watched I remember watching tons of Sonics games and watching Gary Payton and Sean Kemp go go absolutely bananas there playing like just throwing down and being awesome. Like they were so fun to watch. And uh that's the most I ever saw of it. All, all I know is that it was a really dark arena inside. Like the old Cap Center yeah. used to be in Landover where you watch you'd see a game happen at the Cap Center and you're like, do they have any lights? inside that aren't trained on the ice because it looks like it's pitch black inside there kind of kind of the way the uh the coliseum was before they before they spruced up the inside there it was it was pretty dark in there too i mean i i went to a game of the coliseum geez seven years ago maybe you did a show with us downstairs in the bowels of the coliseum with the old hockey week show it was before it was before they played the lightning and I think that was uh, it was like Stamkos and Brett Connolly and those guys. I don't know if that was like Hedman's rookie year or not, but no, it couldn't have been Hedman's rookie year because that was Tavares' rookie year. Yeah, um, long time ago. But that was far away. Yeah, but that I think that was the first year they when they when they changed the logo to what they got now. That might have been then. I don't know, but that was that was a full day, man. I, I was like visiting all you guys yeah. down there because there was just. So many people at that, like so many people I knew at that game, but yet there wasn't a lot of people at that game. Yeah, back in those days, no, there weren't. That's why they let us do a podcast down there. When when, <laughs> when nobody knew what a podcast was, they let us do a podcast down there at Doolin's down at the old barn. That's right, so, Doolin's. Yeah. That was the name of the place. Yeah, that's right, man. Jeez, give yourself. Whew, a that was a, that was a while ago. I had seats like three three rows behind the lightning bench. Yeah, I don't, you could sit know, anywhere back there. I don't know how I got those tickets, but yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me, they weren't hard to get back there, buddy. 
Well, I've been to the Key <laughs> Arena, actually. I went to see, uh, a long time ago, I took my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. I went to see you, too, at the Key Arena. Oh, man. Yeah, took her out there to Seattle. Seattle's a beautiful city. Got to get out there. Great sports town. Um, that whole downtown area um, where the um, where the um, the Mariners ballpark is absolutely gorgeous. We did a tour of that. And then the Seahawks play in uh, their big building there. Safeco, yep. field, believe me, whatever it or, is. Or uh, the Lincoln, Lincoln fight. No, that's Philly. Um Whatever it looks like, the link in yeah, Philly. Yeah. It reminds me. It reminds me of the link, even though it's not. Um, yeah, I forget the name of that. Whatever corporate name football stadium. Yeah, but that's a trip too. If you if you're driving down south to Delaware and you go past Philadelphia and seeing those the the you know the Flyers and the Eagles new buildings too, uh, the Sixers. Oh yeah, they're the gorgeous. Setup. Weather. Yeah, it's really nice. But the Key Arena is pretty cool. It's it's like you got to walk down a hill. It's it's uh it's pretty neat. It's all in this like spacey area and stuff and. You got to get out there, Joe. The needle's awesome. Waterfront. I need to. It's gorgeous. I'll, I'll get out there. I'll get out there once hockey starts up. Road trip. Uh, I'll Kraken make that trip. Promise to myself. That hockey yeah. show. Team trip to Seattle. To see the Kraken. I'm in. Let's all right, let's it. go. Let's, let's, do, let's it. do it. All right. <laughs> now, all the way over here on the East Coast. Um, I guess the good news is, Joe, there's six games left in this Buffalo Sabres season. <laughs> this 2021 20, campaign that we've uh, painstakingly gone through the getter here. Fifteenth uh, week now, unbelievable. Uh, we talked about this team, ups and downs, um, coaching changes, everything else. But uh, here we are, buddy. Six games to go. Uh, split with Boston and uh, two losses to uh, the Rangers. My Rangers there helping us out. Thank you so much. Uh, you got You're two welcome. with Boston left, two with the Isles, and two with the Pens, and that's it. And then it's time time for Joe to do something else. <laughs> time, time to really dig into the draft prospects. Time to time to wait till June for the draft lottery to, to come up to see if they actually pick first or second or third or whatever. However, it works out. I got I had people asking me on Twitter yesterday or they, if I'm looking forward to seeing Rasmus Dahlin with Owen Power. And I said, listen, if the Sabres draft Owen Power with their first round pick, especially if they end up picking first, they're making a, a, a and this is not the slight Owen Power, but they're making a huge mistake. They cannot cannot pick a defenseman first. Ooh. I mean, they did it with Darlene because he was the best prospect in hockey. Like, he was the number one guy. You got to take him. Yeah. And so far, when he's not with Ralph Kruger, he looks like he's the number one. Like, he should be. He looks like he should be, like, the absolute stud. Uh-huh. But, like, they need forwards. They need more forwards. Like, yeah. you look at their forward bunch. Not a lot of depth. Like there's a lot of good players, but not a lot of depth. So for me, go get Maddie. Go 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 get Maddie Beniers or uh, Berniers or I got to learn how to pronounce names, Paulie. This is this is what I got to do in the off season. I got to learn how to speaking pronounce of names, names, buddy. Speaking of names, buddy, I am really disappointed that this guy plays goal for you guys. Because speaking of forwards, if this guy was a forward, I would just pay money to go. Up to see the Sabres to hear the announcer go, goal scored by Uko Pekalukinen. That's the greatest name in hockey these days, man. 6K. That's You, you know, everything is like in 4K dynamics now. He's, so, he's such a good goalie prospect. He's in 6K. But he's also got <laughs> 6Ks in his name. That's that's the best part. What goes um, on over there in Finland with all the Ks? Man, it's it's Apple, it's, it's wild. The K's and the U's. It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful language. Let's start there with this what, kid. What's he doing in the nets for you guys? I, I tell we got you to what, see him the other night against the Rangers. You know what? He's got a lot of skill, man. And he you know he made the he made that one just sliding sort of acrobatic save where I think it might have gone off his head. 
don't know if that was uh, I forget who shot it. Or maybe there was a Bruins game. I don't know. Uh, everything again, just like <laughs> the entire season, it's, it's all everything a fog. is running together. All the, all all the goals and the again. shots against the goaltenders in Buffalo. It's a fog. But you know, like, like they're what they're one and four in their last five, and like nobody in town really cares that they're one and four because they're playing more entertaining hockey. And you know, this kid's getting his shot to play some in the net. And he's the guy that everybody wants to like in this position right now with, you know, with all down Hutton's done. Um, and you got, you know, Dustin Tokarski, who's, you know, it's a great story for him coming back, winning his first game in like what, six years, five years. And then, uh, you know, he was a NHL player of the week for a week. Like, Hey, great story. That's awesome. But Luke is the guy everybody wants to watch. So yeah. we're getting a taste of him, and he's, his road to getting here just as a pro player, never mind, you know, his, his time at Sudbury, but he, like he played last season between Cincinnati and the ECHL and with Rochester and looked great in Cincinnati, put up like a nine fifteen save percentage, which, you know, listen, I know it doesn't sound great, but the ECHL that put make, puts you in the top three, four, maybe, um, because that's, that's, that's a tricky league to get to get jumped into because you got a bunch of really older guys. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of young guys who probably aren't going to make a connection. So it's a little bit of a roughhouse league. Um, but you get him in the AHL and he wasn't totally ready for it. Plus, mind you, two years ago, he came out. He had double hip surgery. Wow. To, to get to get squared away after after playing at Sudbury, because, you know, you get you get stuff going on. And they're like, hey, listen, we'll get you taken care of now. So that way your career doesn't get shortened. You know, at the back end, well, you know, you miss some time now. We'll get you taken care of for the rest of your career. Good. That's fine. So he's two years removed from that. Now he's playing in the NHL. And his season is like his seasons have been in, you know, it was COVID last year, you know, cuts off half the year. He spent the you know, the first half of this season playing in Finland because he just had to get some games because nothing was happening here for a while. So he played in Finland, came back over here, joined the Amherst and the Amherst, you know, the AHL is so different this year. Because you've got, you know, half the guys, you know, half the, the really top guys are up in the taxi squads for the NHL teams. And so you got a bunch of ECHL level players playing in the AHL. And it's like it's a renegade league, basically, because wow. you don't have tons. You know, It's not the, the AHL the way it's the way it's supposed to be working out. Mm-hmm. So it's a very freewheeling type of team in Rochester. You know what? They've only had a handful of guys that had like Sabres contracts. There, I think the last game they played, they only had five guys who have Sabres contracts. Everybody else is either an Amherst contract or just a temporary, like, hey, we need guys, we need bodies to play this year type of deal. So, like, there's guys that that, that are that are playing for the Amherst this year that have no designs at all. Like, the Sabres have no designs on ever signing them or calling them in. Like, they just needed bodies. So, it's a weird season. You can't really develop anybody. So, he comes up here now. And he goes from, you know, playing games where he's getting 30, 40 shots a game in Rochester because, again, you've got three defensemen who have NHL even slight prospects. Mm-hmm. And one of them's now with the Sabres, Samuelson. So now they got two. And then you got like maybe four, three or four forwards up there that that could play in the NHL at some point in the future. That's tough. That's yeah. really tough. So now he's getting a real test behind guys that he's more likely to play with. And he's not doing half bad. And, you know, this is a, like, again, Sabres are a bad team. They're playing better. They're playing way better. But, like, they're still bad. You know, it's just that they're not lose 18 in a row bad anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, so, like, he's getting he's getting looks and he's not looking out of place. And I think that's 
that's a huge thing. That's a huge boost for him. And it's going to be a big lift for him going into next season. Now, does that put him on the NHL roster next season? If they value development, no. Like have him start in Rochester, get a, get a ton of games there, and maybe come up second half of the year if it works out, whatever the deal. Um, but you know what? He's not he's not looked out of place. He's looked strong. Uh, his defense has let him down on occasion here. That, I mean, that'll happen, but there's no real bad goals, no goals that really stand out where you're like, geez, anybody would have had that. Um, so I, you know, he's acclimating himself well, given the situation and you know what, we'll see what it, what it works paying forward for him because they got high hopes on him and they want to see it work out obviously, because if you can develop your own starting goalie, that saves you a lot of money down the road. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, with six games left against, uh, you know, three great teams who need the points and are definitely going to pepper them. Um, it's, uh, no doubt a great opportunity for him and, and the rest of the Sabres here that are getting a shot. Um, you know, under Coach Granado here and, and, and mixing things out. And you, you even hear Sam and Joe on the Rangers broadcast, you know, talking about, um, you know, how he's just letting the guys play and, and, and mixing it up and how, how the team really isn't easy anymore. Like I said, they're, they're still not the greatest team, obviously, but not the worst and, and playing okay. Um, I want to touch on a couple guys here. Obviously, Reinhardt uh, popping a couple goals. He's got four, 14 goals on the road now, which is pretty much up there with some of the other top guys in the league. Uh, Middlestad also playing well. And I want to ask you about Skinner here, uh, maybe a little focus on him. You know, since he had come back after, you know, being out, uh, you know, sat there by Kruger and everything, the coaching changes made. Uh, maybe just get a quick thought on, on Skinner's overall play here, not only being back in the lineup, but also with Jack Eichel being out of the lineup. You know, I, I, you know, Jeff, he's at the point, you know, he's at the age of his career. He's like, what, 29, 28, 29 years old, where this is the, this is the time when guys in the NHL now start, things start kind of wheeling back a little bit, uh, production wise. And I mean, that's certainly, that's certainly the, the case for, for, for Skinner. I mean, the, the, the thing Skinner's got going for him is that he's always, he's always an agile skater. He's never really been a fast skater. But he's elusive. Like he's a guy you can't really, you don't really see him take those big hits now. Like you used to early in his career because he thought he was faster and he was he was able to get in and out of places. Um, but that doesn't really happen to him now. Um, so like that that's good. But like the the offensive touch hasn't totally been there this year. And I mean the the chances have been. I mean he's had opportunities. They, they they're. You know, even though he's been, often been stuck on lines where it's just not guys that that are going to help him generate chances, but he's used it to take advantage of the of the opportunities by by getting out ahead of plays, getting up on the forecheck, and and just stealing pucks and, and going to the net. I would love to see more goals. Obviously, everybody wants to see more goals, but he's looked better. Yeah. Um. You know, he's getting he's getting a spot spot play now where he he is getting those those chances with some of these guys, and like that's. I think that's important. And, you know, if that if that means that, you know, if Don Granato is still the coach next year and he says, OK, Jeff, we're putting you back with Jack and we're going to get that ba- we're going to get that band back together. Cool. I think that benefits everybody. Um, but, you know, I, it's tough. It, there's so much about these guys that's going to be really tough to tell because Jack's not there because you can't get those looks with Jack. Like you, you ideally in this kind of season, this is what you want to do. You kind of want to have open tryouts to see who works best with Jack and where it can go from there. Obviously, Skinner's a guy I would love to see back with Jack because they scored forty. He scored forty goals on a line with him, yeah. so that would be nice to see if that can work again. 
But I tell you what, the thing that's opened up a lot of eyes here is Sam Reinhart playing center again, full time for the first time since uh, since he was at uh, uh, Kootenai in the in the dub. Kootenai, where the hell's Kootenai? That's a great question. My Canadian geography <laughs> is really way off. Um, but like, it, it's the first time he's playing center full time since he was up there in, in junior hockey, and he's looked outstanding. I mean, it. it for all the times he played center in the NHL and he looked like a fish out of water, like he couldn't hang and wasn't able to really be productive and, you know, stunk at faceoffs too, but like, you know, whatever, that, that's fine. But like defensively, he looked bad at doing it and offensively he wasn't contributing. Now it's completely different, mm-hmm. completely different story for him now. And it's, it's, it's amazing that it just kind of took th- this season to get to a spot where it was just like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just see what, let's see what it does. You know, we got no Jack. We got, you know, we don't want to throw Cousins to the Wolves as a first-line center. You know, Casey, we're just trying to get his getting his confidence back and getting him playing. All right, Sam, let's see what you can do. And he's been awesome. You know, he's now top 10 in the league in goals. He's got, what, 22 goals? It's crazy. Like, Super, I mean, yeah. that, that's basically what he does every year anyways, but he's doing it in a shortened season and at a position that everybody basically said he wasn't going to be able to get back to. So, like these kinds of developments, it makes it makes their offseason way more interesting because now you can say, well, now we got Jack and Sam as center one, center two, and we got Cousins who's our who's our center three by default. We got three lines that we could roll that can just score. Well, that's way better than you were at before, where you're saying like, I don't know if I want to play Cousins at second line center because Sam's got to play right wing with Jack and blah blah blah. You don't have to worry about that now. Now you can yeah. have Casey be your fourth line center and like that's fine. Like, but you still got an offensive guy down on that line. So now you're looking at you can arrange this lineup a way different than you were thinking about before, because now you've got Sam as a, you know, a 60 point a year guy who can now score 20 to 30 goals. Like, you know, if he played it, this was this was an 82 game season. He's scoring 35 goals. You know, Joe, that's uh, it's great stuff about Reinhardt, because, you know, if you're not watching the team day in and day out like you are, you know, a guy like me or, uh, uh, you know, obviously if you're not a fan of the Sabres, you, you're not really aware of of that change. Of I didn't realize that uh, Ryan Hart was playing on the wing and, and coming at the center now. And, and obviously that does give them a whole new look. And it, it changes, um, you know, it's obviously a positive thing here for the Sabres. You know, no matter how things go, and I think this is still the, the, the crazy fun thing about this whole thing with the Sabres. One way you look at it, maybe, you know, people are going, Paul, you're sick and twisted. I mean, this is this has just <laughs> been tragic here in Buffalo, what's been going on. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to some way, when you get to this point as a franchise, you know, where, you know, you, you look at what the Chicago Blackhawks are going through right now. You look what the Anaheim Ducks are going through right now and some of the other teams there that are going to be on the outs now and not be a part of this uh, playoff tournament. You take a look at the team like the Rangers here that, you know, they might be out with such a talented squad and if they were in any other division in the NHL, they would be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you take the positive stuff here with the Sabres and a guy like Reinhardt maybe makes a huge effect on the decision with Eichel going forward in terms of keeping him like what you said bringing up the the great old days with him and Skinner and putting up big goals and points and stuff like that so this whole thing with Reinhardt to me listening to you talk about it said hey man that's that's some good stuff here for the Sabres well it's a really fascinating thing when you when you think about it because because not only is he having you know is he playing great at center now but also the if if you start thinking about the, the this off season and Reinhardt needs another new contract. And so the Sabres got to decide how much, you know, how many years and how much money are you going to dedicate? Cause 
Because now that he's a center and you can say he can hack it at center and he can excel at center, well, that drives his cost up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of being a, you know, like a six, seven, you know, maybe a seven million dollar a year winger, you could say he's an eight million dollar center because he's doing O'Reilly like things offensively. Not defensively, because he's not, he's not, you know, nobody's as good defensively. The front office is cringing and his agent is grinning. (laughs) The front office is loving seeing the production, but they're also like, oh, crap, we didn't sign him to a long term deal a few years ago, did we? (laughs) Oh, boy. So, like, but like, like, this is the spot that a lot of us said that they were going to be in down the road anyhow, because they kept kicking this can down the road with Reinhardt. Saying like, well, you know, we'll get to it. He's got to prove it. We got to, you got to get to it. He's got to prove it. Well, here he is. <laughs> it was like what Montreal did with PK Subban years ago when they signed him to they signed him to that bridge deal and they said, well, we'll give you a long term contract if you prove it. Then he goes out and wins the Norris, <laughs> and then he's getting paid nine and a half million dollars a year. And you're just like, well, I guess they kind of deserve that. Well, now Reinhardt's at a spot where he can ask for more money because he is a center. And so now the Sabres could be in a in a spot where you say, are we trading Sam Reinhardt now? You know, because now we got, you know, because we got Jack, we're squared away with Jack, but like Jack and Sam are like the best of buddies. You know, like, do you have, do you have to move on from somebody else? Do you have to trick somebody into, tri- you know, to taking Jeff Skinner? Do you have to do something, you know, like they're going to sign Darlene to a bridge contract and, and Yoki Haru as well. Like that's, I, I would put that in stone. They're going to do that because they got to sign all three guys <laughs> this summer. <laughs> wow. So you're talking like three top minute guys. You got to get taken care of, including one that's having his best, probably his best season as a pro. So Kevin Adams has got to be like, boy, what a great job I have. Oh, crap. <laughs> because now he's got all this stuff to get to get settled out. And, you know, they I mean, listen, they got the cap space and everything. But also you got to put a team together. You got to get back to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. So, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. But like, you know, Sam's in a I mean, listen, he's in a he's in a great but horrible spot. Like he took less money to get re-signed this year because. Everybody had to. And it's a flat cap for two years, so that stinks for him. But also he can say, listen, you got to pay me. Because like, if you walk me to free agency, I'm leaving. Because yeah, yeah. if they walk him to UFA, he's going to he's gonna go sign in Vancouver or Calgary and say uh, goodnight. Yeah. Like, that, that's enough. But like, maybe you get on the horn to those teams and say, hey, what would it take to get, I don't know, Matty Kachuk? What would it take to get? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who you'd ask for from Vancouver. But, but you like, know, is that, is that what you want to do with a twenty-five-year-old kid? I mean, you know, if you say he's going to be twenty-six next year, I mean, what are you going to trade him away for? Like in a a twenty-one, twenty-two-year? I mean, is is that? I mean, I'm just trying to think of the thought here. You know, when you you, you say, look, we might have three or four or five pieces here. You, you look mm-hmm. at the Nets. You look at you know you know Rutilana maybe defensively here and and a couple mm-hmm. of the guys there, their top prospects, and then. Jack comes back healthy. You got Skinner. Look what Reinhardt's showing us. Middle stat looks good. I mean, you almost have a small little nucleus to actually build around and yeah. necessarily get rid of and break up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I listen. I agree with that. But I mean, this th- these are things that Jason Bottrell could have taken could have helped taken care of a couple of years ago by signing Reinhardt to a long term deal when his cost was lower. Like yeah. you could have gotten him for. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say how much you could have gotten him for now, but it would have been way less what you're paying him, what you will be paying him this offseason. Like, that's for that's for absolutely sure. But I mean, if, if you know, and like you keep hearing like Calgary, they got to shake something up in Calgary. Where, you know, you, you know, last year they were talking about Johnny Gaudreau. Maybe they got to move him. Now, that's 
not the guy I'd move for if I was Buffalo. But if Matt Kachuk was Matthew Kachuk is on is on the the list of guys that say eh, you can maybe have him. I'm talking to them right away. Like, hey, what's your interest in Sam Reinhardt? Do you want to pay him? Like, he would love to go play back back home, Western Canada. Like, that would be a huge boost for him, and I think he would be really happy there. But they got to pay him too. Like, <laughs> you know that that's the catch in all this is that where if you trade him somewhere else, you got like that team's got to pay him or. Sabres sign and trade them and then, you know, get it taken care of that way. But I, I it's a bad spot. It's a, it's a bad spot to be in. But you could sit, you could just Columbus Blue Jackets it and say, screw it. We're going to we're going to sign them. We're going to walk. Is that, a, is that a new term? I mean, listen, <laughs> there's something wrong here like, with your engine. You're going to have to Columbus Blue Jacket that thing. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> just like. Sign sign Reinhardt to your one year deal. Walk him to free agency and like, listen, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it this year. Damn torpedoes. Let's get back to the playoffs. And if it doesn't work, we tried sort of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Like yes. you, you can't just like trade Panarin and uh, and, you know, acquire Bobrovsky or like trade Bobrovsky and do all this stuff and, and be able to get to the playoffs and upset the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round and do all that kind of stuff. But like the Sabres, they really got to reset. The, they, I mean, they got to reset the counter. They got to get to the playoffs. And if this division style is the way it's going to be next year, or if it goes back to the old uh, Atlantic division, I mean, if I'm the Sabres, I'm hoping it goes back to the old way because I think I got a better chance of having success there. Yes. Just because it's because, you know, Boston will be another year older, you know, Tampa's a beast. Florida is now a beast, but like Montreal, iffy, like Montreal's iffy. Ottawa might be better next year. Detroit, probably not going to be any better. I'm feeling a little bit better about my chances than trying to hang with Washington and a better Rangers team and a Pittsburgh team that won't die and an Islanders team that just cruises along. I'm I'm liking my chances better in the old division than I am in the new division. Yeah, no, I hear that, and that's going to be uh, a wait-and-see thing. I imagine they're all going back to the, uh, the regular divisions. The way everything's beginning to trend here forward, um, it'd be interesting to even see what happens in Calgary here, you know, with uh, Coach Sutter in there now in terms of, how he wants to, you know, take in, uh, that team over and he gets to evaluate what he has right now. I mean, their last five games, the Flames are against, they got one against Ottawa and then four against the Vancouver Canucks. And I think they're four or five, five points back of the Habs right now. And the Habs got to go through Edmonton and Toronto. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you can't take advantage of Vancouver at this point, I mean, that's, 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 I think that's a little bit more damning on Calgary's case because, Vancouver yeah. looks I, I mean they're coming off of like the worst covid situation but also they've got they got to play a zillion games all packed together I know. like I know. good luck man but that'll be interesting like i said the way things wrap up for the flames here in terms of you know obviously in terms of how calgary might deal and getting back to a guy like reinhardt and so on and so forth because i think Sutter might flip that whole team over one way or the other, I think there's a. I don't know if Johnny Gaudreau is going to make it there. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, he, he certainly doesn't seem like a Daryl Sutter kind of player. No, and Matt Matt Kachuk definitely seems like yeah. a, mm-hmm. like a Daryl Sutter player. But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe attitude. Maybe youthful attitudes. Uh, a youthful attitude and Daryl Sutter that never goes that never goes very well together. Yeah. <laughs> so some interesting stuff going on, man. And no doubt, like I said, we got to sit back and, and see what happens. Like I said, the good news is there's only six games left of this. You do the best you can. Uh, you know, with Granado here and then the draft and uh, the organization and 
Uh, they've got all these things they can look at here. Some good problems that have and some bad problems have they got to fix. And I'm with you too, man. they got to get back in the playoffs uh, ASAP, and, and that's just not going to be easy. Not only next year, Joe, but any year going forward, no matter what division you're in, uh, when it comes to the National Hockey League. So why don't we zip down to uh, the Eastern Division here and just take a quick look at it here with regards to what's going on. Islands and Rangers have a big uh, game here, two games set. I mean, all these games are huge right now, especially in the Eastern Division with the top um, four teams there as far as, uh, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Boston are concerned. And, and the Rangers uh, trying to get in here one way or the other. Uh, Flyers still struggling since we last spoke. Um, Islanders looking for goals. You know, I think I, I, I would – look, you know I'm a Ranger fan, Joe. I mm-hmm. would just love to put the fear of death in the Islanders. If they, like if they win tonight, <laughs> the psychology that they will have and, – and there's no better Twitter than Islanders yeah. fan Twitter uh, on, on the planet. <laughs> it's the best. So I would love to just sit back with some popcorn tonight. I'm It's house money as a Ranger fan. We want them to get in. It would be a great experience for them. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's, the future looks great here. Um, Boston has come back so well. Uh, bravo to Pittsburgh Penguins here, man. And you said yeah. it so many times. As long as you got Sid and Malkin's back in there and, and just the makeup of that team and Coach Sullivan, man, he's just – Man, what he does with uh, what he's so got. good. Yeah, man. So here we are. Um, just give us your thoughts here with, uh, you know, six games left pretty much for everybody in this division and how it rolls out. Obviously, we'll have another show here next week before it's all synced mm-hmm. up, but uh, maybe just take a look at the last week going up uh, into today and in, in these weekend's games. Well, I tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll own it right now in Pittsburgh. I thought the way the the way they started off the season and even halfway through the year, I thought they were going to be toast. I, I thought they were going to be on the outside looking in that the goaltending was going to come up short, that Sid wouldn't be able to carry everybody. And uh, yeah, wrong, 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 <laughs> all wrong, completely wrong. You know, Jari's been great. Crosby's been incredible. Um, the whole team's really stepped up like their defense. I thought their defense was going to be a really weak part. Hasn't been <laughs> really hasn't been. There's been no. some really great performances there. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh looks, they, they look, I'm done downplaying them. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to take a dump on them anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? They're, they're taking care of business. The aisles though, aisles. I don't know. I, I mean, I read a lot of aisles, Twitter and everybody's freaking out already. Like people are just like, where are the goals? Nothing's happening. They look like they're going through the motions and yeah, it's the wrong time of year to hit a lull. Yeah. Like this. This is like the mid-season, like a normal year. This is the mid-season lull time, you know, that that late January, early February, where it's just kind of like, all right, let's just get to the, let's get to the crunch time. Let's get to it. And now it's, now it's like that port, that point of the year, ain't the time to go cold, ain't the right time to go cold. And the Isles offense is bone chilling cold right now. And that's, that's tough because the Rangers, I mean, yeah, Rangers get a boost playing the Sabres twice. That helps out. Uh, now they got to be big Sabres fans when they play Boston, maybe, maybe put some fear in Boston, but the Bruins, I mean, the Bruins own Buffalo apart from the last time they played the Bruins have owned them, but you're right. Rangers beat the Islanders. Ooh, baby. It's going to get saucy. It's going to get spicy. Like <laughs> give, give me some, give me some heat there. Like the, I mean, these, f- these five teams are really good. Yeah. I mean, re- I mean, they, I mean, they got flaws. You know, Boston, you know, Boston's got some flaws. I mean, Rask coming back has really steadied them out. Like that's helped out the aisles. I mean, the offense has dried up, so that's bad. And the Rangers, you know, listen, very mercurial. But like if Mika is going off like he has the last few games, 
boy, that's terrifying. You know, you, Panarin, you know, Panarin's been comparatively quiet, but like, you know, he can blow up and just have, you know, go on a huge run and, and be a complete difference maker. And Adam Fox has got everybody talking Norris trophy. So, I mean, they got some stuff going on there. Shesterkin's playing well. I mean, to me, the Rangers are the team that if they make the playoffs, if I'm the Capitals, I'm pissed. Like, if I'm the, the Caps or the Penguins, I don't want to deal with that team. You won't be as pissed as the Islanders fans if they don't make oh, it. Oh, no. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Islanders miss the playoffs. They'll be they'll be burning down the new arena. They'll just they'll be like, forget it. They'll just, they'll just be like, we don't need this place. Oh, but, uh, man. No, they'll, no, they'll burn down the Coliseum before they do that. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's – but like, yeah, you're right. But like, if the Rangers get in, like, I mean, they're fun. If if Boston sits in the four seed, I don't want like, no matter what, no matter who you're playing in the first round of this playoffs, you don't want to deal with any of them. Yep. Like, even if, if you're the four seed, you get in, great, you got it. Well, now I'm playing the Caps, great. Well, Ovi, you know, Ovi's out with a lower body thing, but like, all he's, he's doing is getting. He's, he's resting, just resting. Right? He's just resting. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just like, you know what? I don't, I don't need to push it here. We're, we're gonna be in the playoffs. First or second seat? Who cares? Like, Remember we said in... that, Joe. Remember we said that they said we said, and there was a there was a blast that time. We said they should coast, right? And then I think they played the Islanders, and the Islanders crushed them. I mean, yeah. you were saying, oh, maybe they coast a little too much. But this is it, man. That's the Caps, man. They just got they're in. You know whether they get home ice or not. It's who cares, really? With like I said, with all these teams in this division right now. But oh, yeah. he's just resting, man. He's got the feet up. He's like, just, I mean, I, I mean, it looked like it was like a groin thing for him. So, like, why, why push it? Like, what are you pushing it for? Like, yeah, okay, you want you want to be ahead of Pittsburgh? Great, okay, fine. But like, are you gonna wreck? Are you gonna wreck your your playoff run to have oh Ovi my. push it and and keep you know trying to crank goals in and do whatever? Nah, nah, nah. You're not gonna you're not gonna do that. You got you got bigger thing. You got bigger fish to fry here. Like. That's that's what you got to take care of. You don't have like the only team you're worried about now is Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, Isles can catch up. Yeah, Boston can catch up a little bit, like especially with a couple of games in hand. I'm not sweating it, like because the Caps are still good otherwise. And like the Caps, like I mean, hey, listen, the, Samsonov has not been a super great goalie, but like he's been good enough, and the Caps have been good enough. Like Caps to me are still a team that if they hit their stride the way they're supposed to, they're gonna roll everybody. But like they haven't done that yet. And it's crazy to think because they play they played really well, but like there's still factors. You know, I mean, I think Carlson, I think John Carlson's going to be out of their game tonight. Just just say you're taking it easy to the end of the year. You're just getting ready for playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you could you could be scary and say, "Woo, geez, injury threat." No, please, please, unless unless they're on the unless they're on the cart for a couple of weeks, I I'm not phased by it at all. Like the, the Caps are still going to be the Caps are still going to be in danger. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pens and the Caps are a lock right now as far as they're going to clinch a spot here. You know, mm. it's it's crazy. I mean, look, like the on the other side of the thing, the Islanders could really pretty much put a nail in the Rangers' coffin tonight. You know, and then and and couple that with a, a Boston win tonight against the Sabres. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's cut and dry for the Rangers. They have to win every game. It's just that's just how it is. Oh yeah, and 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 you know, they, so they know what's on their plate and they know what they have to do. And I think it's almost like that. There's there's so much pressure on the Islanders here. You know, because of the way they played. And they're, you know, Trotz and Lamarillo, the, the, the changes they made at the trading deadline, getting so close last year in the, in the, in the finals, uh, the conference finals here, and, and, and everything else that they've got going on. And um, it would just be, it would be unbelievable if, like I said, and it could start tonight, if the Rangers win that game tonight and just put that seed in their head. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the next game becomes even bigger and even more pressure on them. So it's, yeah. uh, 
It's something else. I mean, but this is what we want, right, Joe? This is what we love as fans. These are the kind of stories we like to see at the end of the year. And, you know, for this kind of a season here, uh, to wind up where it's winding up here at the end of all of these divisions here with the the fourth and fifth team trying to get that last spot, it's been a ton of fun. I tell you what, though, uh, looking back at the at the trade deadline, the Isles, you know, they got out ahead of it, got Zajac and Paul Mary. Have those guys done anything of note? I mean, Zajac's popped a couple of goals, but like, have they been impact players here at all? Uh, you know, I, I don't see it. Like, if they, had, I, I'm looking at it, like if they had gotten Taylor Hall instead, would they be in a better spot? I don't know. I mean, but that that's going to be the big question. Like, if Hall, I mean, Hall's picked up his play for Boston, and he's looked pretty good. He's looked yeah. pretty good the last few games, but I mean. If Hall carries Boston deep into the playoffs and the Isles don't make it or they collapse, you know, they get they get their heads caved in in the first round or whatever. And Paul Mary and Zajac do nothing. Oh, my God. People are going to be calling for lose head in the oh. offseason saying, like, you had a deal with the Sabres to get Hall. Why didn't you just get Hall? Instead, you just decided now nah, let me get a couple of guys I know better. Oof. Look, like that's it, I mean that's folks, what we're looking ahead in the offseason possibly for this. Folks, like that's it's it's more drama but it's great drama. <laughs> These things that Joe's are saying, that Joe's saying here. If you don't have a Twitter account, get one. <laughs> because if the Islanders don't make the playoffs in some crazy wild fashion here in the next week, Islanders they're going to lose it. They're going to lose their minds. Mm-hmm. Lose their minds. 100%. And um, you just want to pull up a beach chair, bag of popcorn, your favorite flavored seltzer and just sit back and enjoy the whole show. It's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> but it starts tonight, man. It starts tonight. But again, like I said, the Islanders win tonight, and then it just gets the, the Rangers probably, you know, they're pulling the boat back, you know, and they're, they're heading back to mm-hmm. the shore here and stuff, and they can start looking towards next year anyway. But uh, it's it's it's, it's uh, fun stuff. Hey, Joe, uh, always great, you know, to do this with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're going to continue to have some fun here and, and roll on and, and next week, we're going to have more of an idea of what's really going to be happening. And I tell you, man, I, I thought this would really be a somber, sad day, uh, you know, the further we get along talking about the Sabres. But we're finding bright spots, Joe. There's sunshine everywhere. Sunshine Summer's coming. Everywhere. Summer's coming, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, brother. Appreciate it as always. Stay safe and healthy this weekend. Uh, we'll see you on the Twitter. And uh, enjoy the games. And uh, can't wait to do this with you next week as we uh, see who's in and who's out by then, hopefully. Looking forward to it, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Joe Yarden, ladies and gentlemen, as always, covering the Sabres for us here on THS and talking about this wild East Division. Good stuff, as always, from Mr. Yarden. And that hockey show rolls out. All right. It's time to head out to San Diego. What? To talk Chicago hockey? Yeah, that's true. Tabs out west. He's on a road trip. We're still going to talk some Chicago Blackhawks and that pesky Central Division. Tab, good day to you, sir. How's the weather out there, buddy? Oh, happy, happiest of Thursdays. Uh, you know, the weather in San Diego has been beautiful. Uh, out here for a, a really unique uh, ceremony, one of my best friends my best friend on the planet that isn't my wife uh, was sworn in as the commanding well officer there, of the USS Annapolis. You wow. have to put that caveat because when the wife listens, uh, you know, I'll definitely be even more in the doghouse. Oh, as a married man, I get it, man. I, that's probably you, your home my friend. For three days in the middle of a school week. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, my, uh, my best friend from 
fifth grade on, uh, was sworn in as the commanding officer of the USS Annapolis yesterday. And uh, it was one of the coolest dang things I've ever seen in my life. So shout out to James for achieving a lifelong goal. Uh, and Jenny, his wonderful wife, for taking care of four wild and crazy kids uh, to borrow from Dan Aykroyd back in the day. Um, just really, really incredible stuff. So, yeah, San Diego's gorgeous. Um, you know, it's going to be really hard to go home, uh, especially after video chatting with my kids. You know, it's going to be really hard to go home. <laughs> <laughs> they let you take but, any uh, uh, pictures on the shore there, the the boat and stuff? Uh, some. Uh, some of and, the I jo- and I joke calling it a boat. We're a bit limited. <laughs> yeah, no, the, in all sincerity, there were a few moments that the, uh, the placement of where we were th- considering – Trying to take photos was kind of a, yeah, let's not, uh, let's wait a little bit. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that I'll have some pictures out there on social at some point in the not too distant future. We're kind of getting everybody in the family who was able to take pictures to kind of consolidate everybody's efforts into a, like a shared file or something like that so that we can all have the pictures that we have of each other with, with the, uh, the man in his dress uniform. But it was, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I wanted to start the show with a shout out to James for uh, taking over a, a big, badass nuclear submarine yesterday. Godspeed, man. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Our men and women in the uh, military are the best. That's why we can do this stuff, you know? Talk a little puck. Absolutely. You know, and have yeah, some we, fun. And- as I told him eloquently uh, at 1 o'clock this morning, um, I. Uh, a via text message just so that he had it on record. Uh, I am able to be the moron that I am because he is the uh, gentleman and officer that he is. So that's not a Richard Gere reference. Um, So (laughs) probably should have worded that text better because hopefully it only went to him, but no, uh, the uh, we're, we're able to do a lot of the crazy ridiculous stuff that we do because of those who put the uniform on. So, uh, much love to him, and uh, as he goes into the office for the first time as the commanding officer, uh, at some point on Thursday, uh, you know, wish him all the best of luck and uh, health and safety as he moves into a pretty cool new role, but obviously lots of responsibility. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Those guys are incredible, and wish them the best. All right, man. Speaking of uniforms, uh, the guys that wear the uh, the red, black, and white for the Chicago Blackhawks. Ooh, yeah. Let me see here. How many games we got left here? Two. Paul. Five. Paul. Here's the here's the problem with this show this week. We are going from. <laughs> Should I just throw this out? Should I just throw. So, <laughs> so we talked. We, we just got done talking about my buddy taking over over a nuclear submarine and wishing him good luck. And now we're supposed to talk about a sinking ship. <laughs> It's it's uh your uh, your favorite uh, Chicago National Hockey League team and my favorite Chicago National League Hockey League team uh, has really kind of uh, they're taking on water. Uh, let's see how many nautical cliches can we throw They've out? Already packed the flip flops and the golf shoes <laughs> in the bag, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, they'll be yeah. It's 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 really falling apart pretty quickly for the Blackhawks. And really, I think after they won the back-to-back in Columbus on the 10th and 12th of April, 
that four to one loss in Detroit, I think was kind of the the boulder starting to roll downhill um, because the Blackhawks absolutely had to sweep those two in Detroit, and they had to at minimum four, if not five, if not six points in the three games against Nashville. And when you come out of that five-game stretch with four points in five games, and uh, not only that, but in the three games against Nashville, your win is in overtime. So Nashville uh, actually padded their lead by three points. That's worst-case scenario, really, for the Blackhawks. So, you know, here we are on Thursday looking up at the standings, and the Blackhawks are now uh, closer to the Detroit Red Wings than they are the Nashville Predators. I wasn't going to go there, but you went there. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, let, let's let's keep it real here. They, <laughs> you know, they're 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10, and this is the this is the frustrating part. When we spoke last week, Nashville was rolling. They were cruising. It was like they got somebody's got to slow them down. It wasn't the Blackhawks, but Nashville's five four and one in their last ten. The Black there there is there has been an opportunity for the Blackhawks to make up ground. Dallas is six two and two, so you've got two teams that are little better than five hundred, and. The Blackhawks have lost their last two, and they're just kind of coasting in the harbor, uh, you know, maybe looking for new orders, maybe looking for a cruise. Um, wow. But wow. All the uh, sea puns today. That's good stuff, buddy. Yeah, we're All really right. putting it out there. I, I'm, I'm, no, let me get been, in on it's this. It's been bad for the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough week. Well, let me ask you um, – I mean, you are you visually just seeing this, uh, you know, outside of the, you know, look, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, they were coasting there, and we, we talk about, uh, you know, Russell Crowe having been entertained with the Hawks all season here, and then, but nobody, nobody expected the Preds and Dallas to come back the way they did. And fair play to them for getting their acts together because they've really, um, they've changed the whole dynamic here. Yep. Uh, towards the end of the season, where it really counts, I think you know, in, in all sports and. You know, you cover tons of sports, and myself, you know, we do all kinds of stuff. It doesn't matter necessarily what you do in the beginning of the year. It's when it counts towards the end, uh, yep. especially when in the NHL and the NBA playoffs, uh, to make the playoffs and to get the points here. So, you know, I guess I, I want to ask you in, in terms we maybe pick up from last week in terms of, um, you know, uh, Colin here, the coach, and I guess the full dynamic of the team. I know, I know these guys are young. Um, they've, they've seen a lot of different things this year. Um, they're just like any other young team in the National Hockey League dealing with different um, facets of this particular season. But are you getting a general vibe that the white flag is going up, or are these guys comp- are, are they competing, I guess, uh, in this last stretch, or are they just being outclassed and outplayed by two more experienced hockey teams, let's put it that way, in, in Nashville and Dallas here at the end? Well, yeah, that, there's a lot to unpack there. So, you know, last week's show, we we joked a little bit after after we got off the air that uh, I brought the blowtorch out a little bit at the expense of Jeremy Calton, and that I needed and wanted to see more consistency from him as they went down the stretch. Um, on Tuesday night, when uh, the Blackhawks 
had a game again that they desperately needed against Tampa in which for what it's worth, uh, Adam Boquist, one of the young players who we've been watching to see how his development curve, uh, shifted during this season, uh, broken wrist done for the year. So now you've lost, you know, physically one of the young guys and the Hawks have been, they've dealt with their share of injuries this year. But one of the frustrations that I had was um, just kind of how Calton hands out ice time, some of the ways that, you know, you see some knee-jerk reactions. And here we are, game you desperately need against Tampa. And after 20 minutes of hockey, the Blackhawks are down 3-2, to two, uh, obviously giving up three goals, not ideal. They gave up the first one 28 seconds into the game. The dreaded, you know, first shift, first shot, here we go again moment. Uh, but they're only down one. White Kalniuk defenseman has really come on lately uh, with his fourth goal of the season to get the Hawks back to within one. So you're not out of this. And the Hawks come out for the second period, and Lankinen's out, and he brings in Subban. And what does Malcolm Subban do? Uh, gives up three unanswered goals in the first 14 minutes of the second period, and now you're looking up at 6-2. Um, and now you have, you know, beat writers in Chicago writing, is Kevin Lankin in a legit number one? Huh. You've, you've opened the door for fans to be like, oh, crap, we've got a goalie controversy. We don't have a number one still. We're three weeks ago, we're talking about you know, Lankinen has a, a real solid future in the NHL. And six weeks ago, we were talking about, is Kevin Lankinen like a legit Calder finalist? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, your coach is pulling him after 20 minutes because the guy, if we're honest, the guy, he could have, he probably would have liked to have a number of them back, but the guys in front of him crapped the bed. And I, Again, you're, this is a, a growth curve season. You want to see what these young guys have. I think in a 3-2 game, I personally would have liked to have seen, if he's healthy, Lankinen ride it out. And I, I've i said this the whole year. I want to see a growth curve from Jeremy Colleton also. And bluntly, I did not see that against Tampa. They got outclassed uh, and outcoached, and it was badly badly outcoached and here you are with uh the Blackhawks looking up at a three-goal loss even though they scored four against a Tampa team that had not given up that many to Chicago this year so yeah you, I mean is you, that the thing Tab do you do you, do you yeah. want to you, you at this point now and we've talked about you know the, what you can take advantage of in this season you know moving into next season with is is that game the other night um, with Lankin in there that you want to show if they can stay in the fight? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where, again, Dylan Strom reenters the lineup. Uh, they put him back at, at the center ice position. And I'm not the first person, I will not be the last person in the world, to use plus minus as any type of an indicator of quality of play. But in this scenario... Uh, Dominic Kubalik and Dylan Strom were the only guys on the roster who were minus three in that game. And Strom comes back and wins eight out of 14 face-offs in 13 minutes. So 
you know, you're talk he's talking uh, Jeremy Collins talking about how he likes the versatility. He wants to see more guys getting work at center. Philip Kurashev, rookie, younger than Dylan Strom, certainly, um, has struggled at the dot this year. Uh, he he skates 20 minutes and wins eight of 22 faceoffs. Um, I mean, the centerized position has been a black hole for the Chicago Blackhawks this entire year, which breaks my heart talking about that because today is Jonathan Tape's 33rd birthday. But the only guy that wins faceoffs consistently on that roster is David Camp, who won 11 out of 12 against Tampa. But he is, I mean, he makes Marcus Kruger look like Wayne Gretzky. Um, so, you know, when, when best case scenario, the only guy on your team that wins faceoffs is a fourth line player, it's really hard to drive a puck possession focused game. And that's been the Blackhawks bugaboo all year. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much more that I want to see from Jeremy Calton right now. I'd like to see younger players get drawing into the lineup. Uh, you know, I think Brett Connolly, I get it. They've got him under contract going forward. They kind of want to see where he fits. But they've got some young guys that are sitting around that I think if the Blackhawks want to bring back a Vinny Hinestroza or a Connolly, I, I feel like you figure out how they fit with what you have next year in training camp next year. I'm sticking some kids out there to see what I got. You are you don't have the E next to them in the standings. They have not formally been eliminated. But let's be real. It's done. Uh, you are seven points back of Nashville for the fourth playoff spot with seven games to play. And there's nothing about their play on the ice, or God forbid the schedule that they've got coming up, that to me says this is a team that's going to go on a run through Florida, Carolina, and Dallas to finish the year. Their seven games are two at home against Florida, three in Carolina, and then back home for two with Dallas. So, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks have one of the hardest, if not the toughest, on-paper schedules in the National Hockey League to finish the season, on top of inconsistent play, young guys wearing down because of the grind of, albeit a, a shortened COVID season, but obviously there's a lot of other factors playing in here. But at this point, you aren't mathematically eliminated, but if you're honest with yourself, you are. So let's act like it, and let's see what more of the young players in the organization have to offer, and let's get them back in the lineup. I don't need to see Calvin DeHaan again this year. I don't need to see Connor Murphy again this year. You know what those guys are. Who do you want to see, Ted? I want to see Ian Mitchell. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the other guys that they've got in the system, which now that Boquist has a broken wrist, I think that opens the door for Ian Mitchell to show up. I wouldn't dress the door off again. Um, I get it. He's he's a pile driver. He's going to be physical. You, what do you need? Dumb penalties and a reason for other teams to retaliate and have him turn styling, you know, in the defensive zone, watching guys score some more. I don't need to see Zadorov, Murphy, or Dahan again. I would get Mitchell out there. Alec Regula, I think, is a guy that I'd like to see. But again, just just roll some kids out there, see what you have, give them, you know, fifteen twenty minutes of ice time every night for seven games so that they can develop some consistency and you can get a legitimate idea against really good teams. Again, 
if if the Hawks were going and, and playing Detroit, who's probably going to do what I suggest, you're not going to get a good look. But Carolina's trying to hold on to that number one spot. Dallas is trying to get in. Mm-hmm. So there's still something to play for on the other side. So put the kids out there and see what they got and watch them compete. Uh, I think what you really want is to see a competitive effort uh, down the stretch here. And I want to see more from Jeremy Carlton still. Gotcha. And uh, what about uh, more Mike Hartman? He made his debut the other night. Uh, nothing on the scoreboard but seven hits. What would you think of him? It'd be the hammer, not the nail, Paul. Um, <laughs> look, I, look, this is this is the thing. We've talked about this throughout the season. The Blackhawks are looking for guys who can provide a physical element on the ice and have a little bit more size. And this is a young guy that the Hawks you know, recently signed who they rolled out there to see what he could do. You know, he's listed at 6'2", 205. Um, I think, honestly, he plays a little bit bigger than that. And he was out there, you know, swinging with intent. And if the – but that's the whole point. We need to see guys like that skating more than 10 minutes in one game to know if they're viable NHL players. The seven hits pops off the box score at you, but I need to see him skate every game down the stretch. I want to see how he handles different situations, see if he's defensively responsible, see what he can pitch into the offense. Because, again, Zadorov can hit people if he can catch up to them, which has been his problem. But hits more hits is kind of a joke on Twitter. Because you're, as Joel Quinville used to so eloquently remind every beat reporter that would ask him about the fact that the Hawks were getting out hit, you're only hitting people if you don't have the puck. (laughs) And so while I appreciate the seven hits, I want to see these guys that bring some physicality add something to the lineup. And bluntly, that's something that seeing functional physicality, there's a glaring weakness in this organization now. Because since our last show, uh, earlier this week, Andrew Shaw announced that he's no longer going to be able to play in the NHL. Yep. And he, he was a guy that brought that sandpaper, brought that high energy to every single shift. Uh, you know, it sucks that 29-year-old is walking away because of concussions. Um, I wish him all the best. He's really been one of the, you know, one of those guys that you get in the room, and he's one of those guys that's always got a smile on his face, always having fun. Always has a funny one-liner for you, uh, but you know this is a he. That role is something that the Blackhawks had when they won Stanley Cups, and they don't have it visibly on the roster right now. I think hey, Brandon Hagel, you know, when he spoke with the media, Andrew Shaw pointed at Brandon Hagel as a guy that could be like a quasi replacement for him. Uh, but even he admitted that Hagel's got way more offensive ability than Andrew Shaw ever did. Uh, but God bless him as a fifth-round draft pick for having the career that he did and having a couple rings at home. Uh, but the Blackhawks need that physicality, but it has to be functional. It, it, the the days of you know just having a sledgehammer out there, the Ben Eagers of the world who are just going to go make life hell for people, those are over. So it's got to be functional physicality. So I liked what I saw from Hardman the other night, but I need to see it seven more times to really be able to gauge if, if he's a, an NHL player or if he's a guy that went out because they told him to hit for one night 
and led the team with seven. And what about Vinny Henestrosa? Vinny from the block. I love Vinny. Um, And look, again, no size whatsoever. Um, (laughs) But but I'm checking these off tabs, Lestia. But but look, Vinny is a guy who high motor, you know, good speed. Um, I think he's a he's a solid defensive player. He's not going to win any major individual awards. But when you're looking for guys to be in that fourth line scenario, he's a good he's a good dude. He he fits that role. And realistically, you know, we've talked this year about some of the limitations that the Hawks have. David Camp isn't the fastest skater in the world. When before they traded him, Carl Soderberg skated like he had a piano on his back, and Billy Joel was still playing it. Um, so having a guy like Henestrosa available to be, you know, in that bottom six role to have some speed, have some versatility, have some offensive upside, I think is a good thing. But you know, he's a known commodity. He's been in the league for years. He's already had one tour of duty with the Chicago Blackhawks. And he's been a couple other places since. So I appreciate everything he brings to the table. And I think that he could be a part of the 21-22 Blackhawks. But I need to see what else I have to determine if a veteran like Henestrosa is a guy that you need to bring back. Because you don't have a younger, more affordable, that's key, a more affordable younger under contract player to fill that role. Um, because one of the problems that I've had with Stan Bowman throughout his tenure is bringing in veterans to block prospects from matriculating to the national hockey league. And this Zadorov deal is a great example of that. You, you've got too many defensemen and then you trade Brandon side for another one. Um, you know, don't, don't sign some of these guys for next year and then have guys wasting another year of their pro contract in Rockford in the AHL. Get them up, see what they got. You've got 7 games now. Yep. Don't they're not meaningless. You know, sometimes you're like, "Oh, you get knocked out, they're worthless." They're not. No. This is evaluation time. Get the kids up, get them on the ice, see what you have. Get Hardman out there for the rest of the way. See if he can average 7 hits a game. You know, Brian Kessler would tell you no one can withstand that level of physical aggression. Um, but see what they've got. And I, guys that are known commodities like Connolly and Henestrosa and Strom, sit them down, keep them healthy. I think that their agents and their significant others would appreciate them finishing the year in one piece. Uh, but you, you've got time to evaluate your internal assets, so do it. Yes, and I guess the, the interesting thing will be to see what Coach Carlton does. And I know you'll be, uh, you'll have the uh, the, guy, the binoculars out. Uh, specifically for that, and I, I agree with you, man. I mean, it's it's a um, you know it's a crossroads point here for the Hawks, where they're at. Um, you look back on the season that they had, and what's left to play for, and and what do you do, especially with looking towards molding this team into the future. And you know, on May thirteenth, uh, in two weeks here or three weeks time, um, no, it'll be two weeks time, I believe. I don't know, I can't even count. But anyway, we'll probably I be was signing told off. There would be no math. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, especially for me. Um, so on the 13th, we'll be looking to um, sign off on the Chicago Blackhawks season. Unfortunately, unless there's some magic uh, happens here over the next two weeks. But that brings me to, um, you know, you bring up Shaw retiring. 
Obviously, Seabrook uh, retiring. You bring up uh, happy birthday, Jonathan Taze, today. And that gets us to Kaner and Keith here, uh, you know, winding down the last of the old guard. I, I would assume Keith and Kane are going to come back next year. Um, we still don't know about Taze. Obviously, uh, reports are he's feeling better. But even if that does happen, you're, you're probably looking at one more year and, and maybe to help Carlton and the rest of these young guys, uh, you know, uh, get to see these guys play a little bit. But what's your take, Tab, on, on just the, the thought of this? It's unbelievable because, to me, seeing those guys win these championships over the last 10, 15 years, they're still young kids to me. And and now it's actually like wow, th- th- there's a massive changing of the guard here in Chicago, and and who are these next big stars here in Chicago? Because how do you replace those names? Taze, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, Shaw. I mean, what a crop of amazing players, and uh, you know Crawford, Golda, go on and on. I'm leaving guys off the uh, off the list here in terms of the guys who won the uh, the cups. But talk about this change that's going on in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it makes you feel old that, you know, when you realize that today's Jonathan Taves' birthday and then the number attached to it's 33. Yeah. Um, he's a baby know, to me, but he's, he's an old guy in hockey, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels like yesterday that he was cracking in as a, you know, acne-inclined teenager, you know, on a line with a what appeared to be a, you know, a, a well-permed, young Patrick Kane. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's tough to watch the guys age. Um, some have done it more gracefully than others. You know, we've talked about Duncan Keith, his plays kind of been a lightning rod for Blackhawks fans this year. Look, the dude is closing in on his ARP card and he's still giving you 24, 25 minutes a night. And if the Blackhawks are going to succeed, I think Duncan Keith is still an important part of that mix but he cannot be your ice time leader on a nightly basis. At, at his age, you should not be looking at a box score from a massive blowout loss and see him at 24 minutes, a rookie at 20 minutes, and everybody else in the teens. And again, this reflects back on Jeremy Calton. You cannot be riding your older stars into the ground. Patrick Kane, almost 23 minutes in a game in which the Hawks give up seven goals, 88 skating, some of the heaviest ice time of his career. He had five shots on goal and two assists. But what's the once you're down six to two in the second period, like again, what's the value of riding 88 into yeah, the ground the when you don't know what these young kids have? So, and you know, I I, I really hope Jonathan Taves first and foremost can get healthy and get can get himself right. If hockey's part of that future, terrific. But you're right. Like, who is the next generation? I really firmly believe that Kirby Doc is going to be a superstar in the National Hockey League. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett should be a superstar in the National Hockey League. When you look at what he's been last year was a, I would consider, you know, a one-off. He has shown. I mean, he's a 40 goal scorer in the past. He's got 23 goals in 45 games this year. So that's you know, again, I was told there would be no math, but you're ballparking at about a 40-goal pace again. And this is a guy that doesn't have a ton of size. But when you talk about the best scorers in the NHL, Alex Dabrinkit's name never comes up. Yeah, unfortunately. Even in, even in Chicago. Um, 
and he is, and he should be talked about in that way. But what you don't have right now is clearly identified after Doc and DeBrinket, especially up front. Who's coming with me? You know who who else is on the who else is on the bandwagon? And I think you've seen this year that some of these young guys, you know, I hate the way that Carlton plays Dominic Kubalik. His play is up and down. He's still got 16 goals this year, but he just doesn't. It doesn't feel like Carlton really ever wants to use him. You know, Pius Suter, 13 goals this year is nice. Uh, I think Brandon Hagel has a lot more to give than the 20 points that he's got in 45 games. Philip Kirishev, they keep trying to make him into a center. His face-off percentage would tell you that that's probably not happening. But it feels like you've got a lot of middle six guys. You know, you've got a lot of guys who profile on a, on a championship contending team. It feels like once you get past Doc and DeBrinket in that next wave, you've got a lot of guys who profile as like somewhere between a low second, high to third line type player. And that's the problem that the Hawks have right now. Is how do they find that next level of skill that's going to elevate their top six, not their middle six? And to Bowman's credit, I think Henrik Borgstrom, who they got from Florida uh, at the deadline, is a guy who has the kind of skill that might be able to make a difference there. Obviously, if Jonathan Taves comes back, that changes the whole dang thing. But again, he's 33 years old today, which means before next year ends, he'll be 34. So he's not the future of the Chicago Blackhawks. He still wears the C, but you want to see who the future is. And the Blackhawks need more of, they need more Ferraris. Right now they got a bunch of really nice family SUVs. They got a bunch of cheap Grand Cherokees in the garage. <laughs> and you want to see a few more Ferraris if they want to really, especially next year when we hit the reset button and they get the Colorado Avalanche back in their division and, you know, probably the runaway Calder winner, Kaprasov and Minnesota coming back in the division. Like we talked about how the Blackhawks had a top heavy division this year, but next year when they hit reset, you get Colorado, St. Louis and Minnesota back. Yeah. It doesn't get easier. No. And the black, again, the Blackhawks have got a bunch of Tahoes and Jeeps in the garage and they need to find a few more Ferraris. Yeah, the offseason is going to be interesting here. And I don't know what, what what they really can do, but I guess it's, you know, this goes back to what you're saying about Carlton and playing these young kids and, and trying to get a good look here uh, with the last uh, few games to go here. So, Tab, let's uh, wrap up here uh, with the division. Um, look, there's not really too much to talk about. You got Carolina, Florida, and Tampa there locked in their playoff spots, punched their cards. They're going to play for trying to get top spot here, uh, home ice, all that stuff. Nashville and Dallas here hanging on here to for the fight here for the for the uh the last spot, which, you know, again, no uh offense to you Chicago fans out there. It's gonna be a nice thing to watch here if you're a hockey fan yeah. in terms of watching these two teams uh try and get the last spot. And that's pretty much going the rest of the way in the league as far as this fourth spot in each division. Uh there is some good stuff to look at there um as far as who's gonna get in. So um you you're gonna see Coach Q here the next couple of games. He's got five games left. Uh if he wins them all, uh almost a eighty point season there and almost a forty win season here uh, with this Panther team. Uh, you, you pick it. You, you talk about who you want to talk about here in these last um, couple of weeks here with the top three teams and or if you want to talk about who you think might get in between Nashville and Dallas. Well, I mean, the way Dallas is playing right now and the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks, 
having those two games in hand with two weeks to go, I think the as when we talked about this, I think the last couple of weeks, having more games on the schedule condensed can be good or bad, depending on how you're playing. And when you're playing well, you want to play every night. When you, when when times are really tough and you're not playing well, you'd like to get a little bit of a break and get a breather. And Dallas has been playing well enough that I feel like having more games on the schedule is going to benefit them. So they're two points back in Nashville. They've got two games in hand. The good news for Dallas and Stars fans is they finished the season with two games against the Blackhawks, who, you know, now as we've kind of identified over the last while, have had their issues. Um, you know, Nashville is um, interesting because, again, like they were written off. We had them, you know, in the draft lottery without question. Yes, yeah, unfortunately ago. for me and you, it's on tape. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I'm not. That's one of those things that I'm really not embarrassed about because they were atrocious. Like they were as bad as the Hawks were good in February, and then it flipped over to March, and they almost didn't lose. Like after they went to uh, when they went to Tampa on the 15th of March, they lost like three times in the last calendar year, um, and. You know, this is where the schedule makers kind of line this thing up perfectly because Nashville finishes the season on home ice against Carolina, but they've got a couple in Columbus in the interim. And holy cow, the wheels falling off for Columbus. Yeah. So, and they get a crack, and they get a crack at Dallas on Saturday. So, I think Saturday's game is massive. Obviously, you've got Nashville and Dallas playing with two points separating them. Um, but with Columbus just completely falling apart, they're actually in dead last in the division now. Obviously, having a two, a couple against them is going to help Nashville. But I, it's you're right. Like every, almost every division, there are questions that still need to be answered. You know, I think Canada is probably the only one that isn't really settled. But they've got the fewest games played of because of some of the COVID issues up there. But Montreal's got. Six points on Calgary right now. Everything else, I think you could make a case that there's something undecided about that four spot. So there's a lot to play for. They're going to go head to head this weekend. That'll be great. If I were if I were going to put you know a couple dollars on the table for which one of those two gets in, I would probably lean Dallas just because they're playing well and they've got more games left to make a difference, and they're rolling. They're, I mean, they're. It's hard to say they're rolling when they're six two and two in their last ten, but they've been playing well enough lately that having more games left feels like it. It keeps the door open for them to charge all the way back. But you know, kudos to both of those teams. You're absolutely right. Those are two teams that we spent sixty percent of this season writing off for dead, joking about. You know, when are they going to get their act together? When's Dallas going to figure it out? When's Nashville going to click? Nashville was supposed to sell the deadline. And here we are, and it's. I think these standings are, I don't think anybody had Columbus on the bottom below Detroit, but I think when you look at really the top six teams in the division, it's some semblance of what you expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carolina, Florida, Tampa at the top, maybe not in the order that they are, but I think everybody expected the, them to be the top three. I think most people thought that Nashville and Dallas would probably be in that fight for the playoff spot, and 
here we are. But it took a lot of work, and it was certainly not an efficient path <laughs> or a stress-free road to get us to this place with you know two weeks left in the regular season. So uh, it exciting hockey down the stretch. It'll be fun. Uh, and again, we've got games that matter all the way to the last day of the season, and that's ultimately what you want as a fan, a reason to care. And uh, unless, you know, your your team's got an E next to it in the standings, um, you know, everybody's got something to care about still. Yeah, no, well said, man. It's uh, look, it's been a it's been a been a different season, but it's been a it's been a great season for a hockey fan. And, uh, you know, every year, you know, you, you take the summer tournament last year, they make, make they make that happen. Uh, we had sports during the pandemic at its worst, and now we're, we're, it looks like we're coming out of it. We're going to look like we're going to have whoever wins this tournament, this cha- this championship the year, this year is going to be probably one of the best teams uh, ever, as far as I'm concerned. Even though uh, minus the uh, the long season, and then we got a great new season to look forward to. Uh, indeed, from there. Well, look, buddy, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll get back on this next week, and we'll uh, keep monitoring Colin and how he manages his young guys here in Chicago. But until then, pal, enjoy the rest of your stay in San Diego and safe travels back home to Chicago, buddy. Got a couple hours left, much like the Blackhawks playoff chances. So <laughs> be good, be safe, watch some hockey, enjoy enjoy some puck, and we will talk again soon. Sounds good. Mr. Tab Bamford, as always, talking Hawks and Central Division hockey right here on THS. And THS rolls on! All right, well, it's time to head out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Either way, we're going to bring in our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, catch up with the New Jersey Devils as they close out this 2021 season. And we'll check in on the great, the mighty Western Division, find out who's going to make it in and who's not. Steve, welcome back to THS, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Paulie. How you doing, buddy? Good to be back on the uh, show, talking a little puck, West Coast puck. And, yeah, uh, everything going good out there. What's what's the story, man? Yeah, we're we've had beautiful ninety plus degree weather, which means fires. All of a sudden, we went Uh-oh. from nothing to now we've got some fires. But um, no, we I finally got to go uh, back into an NHL arena for the first time, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. It wasn't painful though. It had to be the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. No, because I got to see Vegas, which was which was a cool experience. Uh, they Vegas thoroughly trounced them. It was not even close, um, but it was a you know it was entertaining. Uh, Ducks wore their retro jerseys, so it was kind of cool. It was an interesting, surreal experience being in there. You know, I was there for the last game before the shutdown, and then to be back uh, for one of the first games after the the you know the shutdown of fans and stuff. So it was uh, definitely an interesting experience. Um, well, take and, us in, uh, man. Got take, a few well, how'd it go, man? Because I, I haven't been able to get into a game yet uh, since they've opened things back here on the East Coast. But uh, give us a little uh, – take us through the entryway there for us. So they, they funnel the, – at the Honda Center, they have fans funneling through one side. So I think there's only three entrances because there's fans only sitting on one side of the arena. And I guess that's probably maybe for TV. Um, so you, you get in there. And once you're inside – well, first you have to go through. You have to answer like a questionnaire. Um, they don't check vaccine or or uh, covid test or anything like that what? but you do have to answer nope <laughs> i know california right kind of weird <laughs> but um 
you have to answer questions. Then you you know they do a mask check to make you have you have a, a mask that's record you know that's that passes, and then you have to go up to the front and answer some more questions, and then you, they check your ticket and you can go in. And once you get inside, you can't leave the building for uh, you know go outside or smoke or whatever people leave the building for. Um, they do have some an area where there's some food trucks set up outside, so they have a couple doors where you can actually go out get some food, but you have to eat it out there. And then when you come back in, you can't bring food or drink in. And then once you get into the arena, um, and it's like being at a normal game, you know, they do have uh, seats roped off. You, only, you can only sit in your assigned seats. Um, they did allow fans to go down and watch warm-ups and stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, and it was just kind of a, a, a cool experience just to be back in there and hear the, you know, hear the sounds of hockey. And, you know, the, the thing I noticed was you can just hear the players talking to each other on the ice. You know, you can hear them calling each other talking plays through and stuff, which is kind of, which was kind of cool the way that the, their voices kind of carried into the crowd. So I, that was one of the things that really stood out to me, but it was an overall fairly entertaining game. It was a dominant performance by Vegas. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, brings us into the, you know, how the division's been, you know, Vegas at the top ducks at the bottom. So, uh, it was very clear, uh, and on display at that game. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only Vegas you don't want to see right now is the Vegas Knights. You know, you don't, you, anyway, yep. you, you want to go out to Vegas, and have a good time, but man, if, uh, you're an NHL team right now, you don't want to see the Vegas Knights. And I guess everybody over on the other side of the outside of that Western division is pretty relieved about it. And we'll get into that into in a little bit, but, uh, you know, that's great stuff, man. And I, and I hear that like, uh, they're still not doing concessions here at the arenas and everything else, but, uh, you know, that'll be down the road, but that's great, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you got to get back in the building. I can't wait myself. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this season and oddly enough, <laughs> depending on what happens on, you know, in New York tonight between the Rays and the Islanders, I mean, the Islanders don't get their act together. They might not make the playoffs, but, um, you know, I think they're pretty safe yeah. because I, I don't think the Flyers are going to catch either the Rangers um, or the no, Islanders no, no, here no, to get no. that fourth spot. So it looks like no, we're going to have a New York team in there one way or the other. Right, right. Yeah, so, but it's good stuff. All right, pal, so look, um, let's hang on to the West Coast here for a little bit, and let's just uh, run through the Devils like we always do real, really quick. Obviously, uh, the season coming to an end here, a few games left for them uh, as far as, you know, the, you know who they're playing. Last four games since me and you spoke, they, spoke, they went one and three. That was after that the wild game against uh, Pittsburgh, too, where they uh, almost came back there, that 7-6 game. We were talking that, about that a little bit. Um, you had an OT loss, too, in, in the last four. Um, you know, you beat Philly 6-4 on Tuesday night. You got Philly tonight and then Saturday and then uh, two left with Boston, two with the Isles, and one more game with Philadelphia here. So I guess, Steve, I mean, what, what can we really say right now is maybe just ask you, um, you know, any games that you were able to kind of check in on the last four. Um, what do you see? What's going on? Any new players that uh, maybe Lindy's put in the lineup? Uh, just give us a little rundown of what you've seen on the Devils here this last past week. Yeah, I mean, uh, the results, I mean, obviously they finally got a, one, a win. It should have been two in a row. I mean, they had a, a 3-1 lead over Philly with a minute 20 to go in the third period. They ended up giving them two goals and then losing in the shootout. Uh, just a just a battle of attrition right now for these guys. Uh, you could kind of see it's kind of starting to weigh on them. Um, I think it's important that, you know, they, they, they get a few wins here to close out the season because you don't want these young kids going into the, the offseason, you know, with this – um, this feeling of just this losing atmosphere and to have it carry over the entire summer. Now, I think we talked about this before. It was kind of seeing how the, the, the guys responded and just kind of see some progress in the players. And we've seen a lot of good stuff. I mean, Jack Hughes is still continuing to get better. Yegar Sharangovich is still putting the puck in the net. Um, you know, we're going to get to see um, 
Uh, Kevin Ball make his NHL debut tonight. Uh, Ruff announced earlier today that Ball is going to get into the lineup, and he's somebody that um, we, you know the Devils acquired last year at the trade deadline. He's a big, you know, giant human who has got a long reach, a physical defender, somebody that the Devils haven't had on the blue line in a long time. So he's going to get a, a chance to get in there. Um, you know, I guess at this point, like I said, we just want to see a little bit more success, have the team be more competitive. Uh, maybe see Mackenzie Blackwood uh, have a few solid starts uh, so he can feel good about himself going into the offseason. And, uh, you know, just kind of get those guys that are on the COVID list, PK and Siegenthaler, if all are healthy. And, um, you know, just finish the season on a high note. It's 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 been pretty rough. And, I you know, you see their faces after the game, and it's really starting to wear on them. Guys like Miles Wood and Damon Severson seem like they've just had enough of the losing. And that's kind of a discouraging. But I I think if they can, uh, you know, you know, go four and three, or you know, get three wins, or you know, a couple wins, overtime loss, or whatever, in these last few games, that they'll at least feel a little bit better, and and uh, and then we can go into the off season, which now appears to be um, like it's going to be a really busy one for Tom Fitzgerald because you know, uh, what looked like he may not have that much tinkering to do, looks like he has a lot of tinkering to do if he wants to make this team somewhat competitive. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about right now. I mean, you know, bravo to the Devils here in, in terms of what they did there at the end there, and we've talked about it, you know, the trade deadline and uh, the trade deadline and moving guys on, and, and, and now you get back into just kind of evaluating. You know, I was going through this with, um, you know, Joe and Tab, respectively, with the Sabres and the Blackhawks. I mean, the Blackhawks, too, uh, kind of promising there, but, you know, they're seven points out right now. It doesn't look like they're going to catch in there. And, you know, Coach Colleton and that squad, they got to – it's an evaluation time. Get as many players in as you can uh, for the end of this season and see what they got. Same thing going up with Coach Granado up there in Buffalo. Same thing, too. Um, you know, mixing guys in there, getting a lot of young guys in there and see how they work out. And then, you know, it's it's you know once the finals are over here in July, it's really not a long break. And it looks like, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, we get a full season next year and a uh, full training camp and everything else. And, yes. you know, here we are, Steve, 15 weeks doing this, right? And the season's flow, flown. It's 56 games. Um, it's I don't know if you feel the same way, but, you know, you take a team like the Devils that's not going to make the playoffs, but there's something to look forward to. It's almost like it went really quick. And now it's like, yeah. hey, man, we'll take a little break here. Let's go for a couple swims in the beach, you know, a couple of dips, yep. have a couple of pops, and then... We're back at it here, and, and there's a good little basis. I want to ask you, who do you think are the, like, maybe the three or four guys that are the nucleus of this team right now that they can build around? Obviously, um, Hughes would be one of those guys, and um, you know, Blackwood and Ned, obviously, too. So take it from there. So really the core of this team, and it, it's been identified by Ruff a few times, is Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, who they just named captain. He's starting to finally play a little bit better since coming back from his injury. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, Ty Smith, um, and then those are the the main four guys they want to build around. And then you've got a, a whole lot of complementary pieces. But you know, a guy like Yanni Kokkinen and Yegor Sharangovich, and um, a guy like Nolan Foot, who's expected to to have a, a bigger impact with the team uh, going forward. Those guys are going to be uh, integral parts of this team as far as rounding out a roster, a competitive NHL roster that's still going to be relatively young. So I think we started the, at the beginning of the season. It was Jack and it was Nico. And then as the season's got along, uh, we've, the, you know, Ruff has added and Fitzgerald have added more players to that core group. 
Um, and I think really this season was a giant tryout for a lot of the, the players within the organization. I mean, you got Alexander Holtz, who, uh, who's in Binghamton. He won't play with the big club this year. Devils drafted him uh, with the sixth overall pick in the last draft. Got his first uh, professional goal uh, in North America within, you know, for Binghamton. That's another player who's going to be a big part of this. And I think, you know, going forward, they're going to want to to have these 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 guys that they can they can count on and then if they need to go to the free agency or the trade route to bring in some other pieces to complement them if you look right now jack is playing with yegar and yanni kuokinen but i don't think those are going to be the guys that he's going to be long term with he needs to be with a uh, you know a, uh, an elite level sniper type guy like a holtz uh, going forward and i think you might see a kuokinen or sharon govich end up with a nico heischer in the in the future but I think, you know, this this whole feeling out process of the Devils and all these new players coming in and out of the lineup, it's just been a chance for the Devils to kind of see, okay, who do we have that we can move forward with and who's expendable that we can use to maybe bring in other pieces to fill out this team and make it more competitive going forward. Great stuff. And and, and talk about Nico Heischer here getting the captaincy. Are you surprised, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he was, you know, he's 22 years old. He's not... Yeah. He's not making headlines here in New York in the tri-state area here. You know what I'm saying? No. I, I'm not even too familiar with myself in terms of, you know, in and out of watch and checking in on the team and everything. But let me ask you, as a guy who covers the team, longtime fan or whatever, about this decision about giving this kid the captaincy. Uh, the captaincy. You know, I think it was – I wasn't really surprised. It was a guy who, who was definitely one of the top candidates. I know, you know, Carl Palmieri, Travis Zajac were other names that were bandied about. Obviously, they're gone now. Yeah. I think the, the intention was that those guys were going to be expendable if the team wasn't competitive. And he sure signed that long deal last year. Um, he's a lunch pail type of guy. I mean, there are other guys drafted after him in that draft who are, you know, putting up all the big numbers and, and really making a mark on the sheet. But, but he's come in and he's taken an active leadership role with the team. He plays a strong two-way game. He plays in all situations. He's got a, a voice that players listen to. And even despite his young age, uh, that players listen to and they look to for for guidance. And I think he's just kind of held him ever since he was drafted. He's kind of carried him in that manner of, you know, the, the prototypical devil's type player. And I just think it was a natural fit to take him in, make him the captain and let the team kind of grow around him. Um, I think a lot of that, you know, changed when Jack, when they got the pick again, they brought in Jack. So now they have these two guys up the middle. They can build around. Nico's here for a long time, and he just is a, a guy that everyone really likes and respects. And uh, it's kind of just a natural fit. They, you know, they've gone through since Stevens retired. The captaincy in New Jersey is kind of a couple of years here with this guy, a couple of years here with this guy. I think Andy Green had it the longest, but I think they really wanted to stabilize that position. You know, that that role in the team, and as a, a sign that they're ready to stabilize the team as a whole. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And is um, he sure? Is he the? I remember Mark Streit was the first Swiss captain in NHL history when he was with the Islanders. Is Nero the second? I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure that he is. That's I, pretty I know, cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And he was the first Swiss player drafted first overall. I mean, a lot. The kid has just got a really good head on his shoulders, and I and I. You know, it's unfortunate that he, you know, he comes back and then he gets hurt and then he misses some time and he hasn't really had a chance to have, you know, a really good season. So the captaincy was kind of an afterthought for people. But I think he comes back healthy next year, plays the game that we know he can play. And uh, I think people will really start to take notice of him. 
Good stuff, man. So there you go, man. Like I said, we're trying to find some bright, bright spots here uh, yeah. for the devs moving Absolutely. forward. And, uh, you know, uh, w- with the sun coming out here in the summer and the nice weather here on the East Coast, and obviously it's always beautiful in sunny California. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, nah, this is good stuff. It, it's good to hear, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him. And, and, and we will all here in, in New York and tri-state areas, these uh, three very young teams, Al is a little older right now, but I'm sure they'll. they'll, they'll, they'll we don't. We, we don't know who's going to be around uh, uh, after right. these playoffs. But um, yeah, no, it's good stuff to look forward to. Great stuff there on the Dev, Steve, as always. So look, let's switch back to the Western Division here. Uh, we talked about the Knights, uh, tops of the leagues, just still playing great. Uh, big game last night with the Avs. They come out on top on that one. Uh, Blues and our yep. Blues, buddy, our Blues, man, beat man. up the last night. They got them again tonight. And they are just, you know, I said in my intro earlier, I said, maybe this just makes sense. That the Coyotes, yeah. just, and, and I loved our segment last week, by the way, Meet the Coyotes. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yes. Um, Amazing. This is probably just how it should be as far as, you know, who's, who's ending up in the top here with Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. And, you know, you sit back uh, with the playoffs here, um, you're just going to enjoy it one way or the other. Let's just talk real quick about some of the teams that are not going to make it. And as far as, you know, when L.A. last night um, – Quentin uh, Byfield, he got his start with L.A., yes. uh, first-round draft pick. So that's pretty great stuff uh, for him. And then the other big news is Ryan Miller uh, announcing that he's going to yeah. retire and obviously the uh, winningest U.S. goaltender in NHL hockey history. So talk about those two guys real quick. Um, I thought it was great. Byfield, um, he's barely 18 years old, and he did not look like he was out of place in that game. Uh, they even had him on the ice in the 605, 6-on-5 situation late in the game. I uh, had, I think he had like four shots on goal, a couple big saves by Gibson, or else he would have had his first NHL goal. Just a big kid, um, really looks like he belongs. Probably somebody that the Kings should have brought up sooner, and they might have been able to hang around a little bit longer. But just a really exciting player. Um, one that's going to really, I think, be successful here in L.A. If L.A. holds on to him, you know, uh, Jack Eichel. Um, but um, <laughs> No, but, come uh, on! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. Um, but no, he's just a, a really good debut. I look forward to seeing what he does the rest of the way here. Um, just a couple of really exciting players. The, the Ducks brought Trevor Zegers back up, and they got Drysdale in the back end. And just some young kids that are, you know, at least give the fans something to look forward to and enjoy watching and, and watching their development. Uh, as far as Ryan Miller, uh, the guy is just a class act. You know, we've had, we've had the pleasure of having several interactions with him throughout his time in Anaheim, and he's always been just such a real, a real pleasure, really nice to the kids and stuff. Obviously, like you said, the winningest goaltender in U.S. history. He's got a Venzita trophy. Uh, he's just, uh, you know, probably a potential Hall of Famer. You know, if you look at his overall, what he's done for the game, silver medalist for Team USA, um, just a, uh, a guy who, who was just a class act. Really, you know, had he, a, a couple things gone differently when he was in Buffalo, probably would have had a little more team success. But, um, yeah, it's uh, a good guy. And, and, you know, when I heard the news – uh, obviously, we knew, you know, he was on the tail end, 40 years old. Uh, he's on the tail end of his career. But it kind of still of a shock when you hear a guy like that retiring who's been a fixture in the game for so long. So ha- sad to see him go, but happy for him and uh, looking forward to see what he does uh, going forward. You know, it's, it's, does he have any coaching in his future? Is he a TV guy? But Or does he just, you know, go off into the, the sunset with his family? Um, but, yeah, like I said, just a real class act and a real nice guy to uh, be able to interact with. And I wish him the best. 
Yeah, he's always been a class act, and it's uh, it's a shame they came so short there in the uh, the Olympics. Uh, it was uh, a great team, and but an even better yep. Canadian team as well too. But yeah, great memories. You know, Miller's been uh, bopping around here a little bit, and I thought he actually would have bowed out a, a, a little sooner. Um, but uh, you know, kudos to him for hanging in there and, and playing out, and we wish him all the best. Yep. And that guy's not going to have any problem uh, off the ice when he's done with a, with whatever he wants or decides to do. Um, all right, so let's look at the, what's going on here. Uh, these four teams here at the top, uh, you know, we, we got to have a little laugh here with the Blues. Not only are they back in it, but they're scoring, man. They're putting the pucks yeah. in the net, uh, which is a huge thing for them. I mean, Mike you know, Austin. yeah. I'm, you know, I'm looking at the score box here. I'm going, what is he drinking or smoking, man? This is right. awesome. You know, it's it's a tale. Like, if you take the Islanders, right, who are just picking the worst time to struggle, right, and then you yeah. look at the Blues, and they are just – I mean, you, even if you're Vegas, Minnesota, or Colorado, and, you know, you're playing up top there in the first two, three spots, you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're going, holy cow, these guys, yeah. these guys mean business. Yeah, they're they're going to be a dangerous team. I mean, they're putting it all together at the right time. And I mean, if out of those three teams above them, the only one that's got the cup pedigree is the St. Louis Blues. And you, you run into a, you know, Bennington is playing really well. They're like you said, they're putting the puck in the net. You run into a hot goaltender and a team that knows how to win in the playoffs. And any one of those teams could be, you know, upset by the Blues. So, uh, you know, if I was the rest of the division, I would definitely be a t- would be paying attention to what St. Louis is doing. I mean, I think it's a pretty much a foregone conclusion that those will be the four top teams in that division. Uh, Coyotes pretty much that St. Louis coming back to win the game last night and then Coyotes losing to the Sharks the way they did. I think that pretty much seals their fate. Um, and, and we have our four top teams in the, in the West and man, whether it's uh, it's Colorado, Vegas, in that top spot, looks like it'd probably be Vegas. It's going to be a really exciting first round matchup with those St. Louis Blues. Oh, yeah, twelve games in the last three goals, and that's and a couple weeks ago they put a nine spot up against uh, Minnesota yep. in that other game, man. Um, you know, Colorado here. You know that you you look at this team, uh, their youth. It's all there. It's on paper. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this on the show, all four of us, uh, all five of us here on, on, on the team here have talked about the fatigue factor uh, with this season, playing every other game. You can't get your best. It's, it's weird, you know, in terms of how do you, you look at a team on paper, how did they lose that game? How did they struggle in that game? How did they go out the game the night before or two nights before and, and, or three games in a row they played this way and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they just stunk the joint up. And, and I think teams, it, that's, that's maybe what's happening here with Minnesota and, um, you know, Colorado. And, and, you know, Vegas hasn't shown it yet, obviously. Well, they got 10 in a row or something like that they've won or yeah. some, some, something crazy like that. But, you know, um, you know, that's probably what's happening here with Colorado a little bit, maybe Minnesota, you know, this fatigue factor and the mental factor uh, that's involved with playing this season. I think it has a lot to do with that. And the fact that you're playing the same teams over and over and over again, I mean, you – a seven-game series in the playoffs, by the time you get to games, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, these teams know each other so well that, you know, they, they make adjustments on the fly. And I think you're seeing a lot of that in the regular season with these teams just playing back-to-back-to-back to back to back against each other. So anybody can, you know, win on any given night. We've seen even those bottom-feeding teams, you know, win against the top teams just because they the familiarity. But the, the problem with Colorado is they just can't stay healthy long enough to you know, put it all together. They got guys coming in and out of the lineup. And, uh, you know, I just hope that they can kind of keep everyone or get everyone relatively healthy and then just kind of get into the, 
the playoffs in, in nearly one piece. You know, that I think the most intriguing thing about that division now is who's going to finish in second, who's going to finish in third, because um, I think home ice advantage, you know, may, will, will, will be a factor in the playoffs with fans back in the building and stuff. And it would be interesting to see if Minnesota can, can grab that second spot from Colorado, um, you know, how much that will you know affect that series going forward. But, you know, Colorado is still arguably one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league when they're firing on all cylinders. But, you know, they just have to be able to keep their guys off the injured list. And, and when, if they can do that, then watch out. They, they could be really dangerous. Yeah, it's unfortunately been the, like, uh, I don't know, MO or their albatross here. And, and, and that, you know, yep. and that's the challenging thing, too, for, for any, you know, National Hockey League team is all the talent. It's one thing. It's it's hard to build chemistry, keep them together, get them going. Um, and obviously, we've we've had certain teams in certain places deal with COVID this season, which is totally different. But you know, yes, I mean, Colorado's always seem to have this problem of not being able to line up all their guys at the same time. You know, right? And you, and you look at the opposite here, right? The Rangers have everybody. I think even Truba's coming back tonight. They've got everybody healthy, right? They're, they've built the chemistry. Um, they've had a weird season. And they might be on the outside looking in. In fact, they're like ahead of in points of like four or five other teams in other mm-hmm. divisions, right? Whereas if it was yeah. one through sixteen, the Rangers would be in. And right. here's a team that's going to be all healthy, gelling, and they might be on the outside looking in. And then you're going to get a team like Colorado, you know, who's going to get in and they're going to be banged up, and they might be you know pushed aside one way or the other. Well, look, we don't know, and that's why we're in it here, Steve. Right to watch it all unfold. Um, you know. Pete DeBoer, you're familiar with, obviously, mm-hmm. with New Jersey. And then you see him come out to uh, San Jose, and he gets him to the finals. Yeah. You know, he's been to the dance twice there with the Devils and the Sharks. He's got yep. a phenomenal team here, phenomenal organization. I, I'm still baffled by the Gallant <laughs> firing and the DeBoer hiring, you know, no this kidding. whole thing that happened. Well, I just, I you know, I think that there was a lot of coaches being moved around back then. I was just like, oh, here we go. I just never understood what Gallant did wrong. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about DeBoer here, the job he's doing. And do you think, do you think this might be his year? First of all, when you've got talent like, like Vegas does, it makes the coach's job way easier. You know, we've talked about this before. The coach is always the scapegoat when things aren't going well. But when you've got a team like this that is so deep, that scores from, you know, from the back end, from the fourth, you know, fourth line. They're always putting the puck in the net They're They play so fast. It makes the coach look like a genius. But I, I, I will say this. Um, I think if Vegas gets to the Stanley Cup final this year, Pete DeBoer will finally get his Stanley Cup ring. Because this team, if they can go through these these few rounds and get all the way to the Cup final, there's there's no stopping them. Because they're so good right now. And then you make them battle-hardened through the playoffs again. They're just going to, you know, they may get pushed in the, in the cup final, but I, I just, as long as they keep their goaltenders he- healthy and you got a guy like Mark Stone leading the way, this is a team that is going to be a really tough out for anybody in, this, uh, in the league. Yeah, they've really got a fantastic uh, mold of every type of hockey player you want on that Absolutely. team. Absolutely. They can score on you. They'll, they'll, they'll check. They'll beat the crap out of you. They've got, uh, you know, stamina. They've got the goaltending. And, again, but, you, you talk about DeBoer here, too. Here's the experience. The guy who's been there twice. The only other guy I could see it might be his year, too, is if Laviolette gets the caps in. And wouldn't that be just a tragedy waiting to unfold if, if DeBoer <laughs> plays Laviolette in the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals because one of those guys are going to lose? 
Oh, that'd be awful. But, you know, it could happen. I mean, I would not be surprised if we saw that in the end, to be honest with you. But I did want to say one thing about Vegas. Like, I was really impressed, you know, seeing them in person. A guy like Chandler Stevenson, who who came over from, from Washington, was a, a guy who was kind of considered a depth move. And uh, just, man, watching that guy fly around the ice for Vegas, and he scored a couple goals. And it's just like there are some teams out there that they'll bring a player in as a piece, and the player is, like, reborn, re-energized. So they, they kind of fit in perfectly. And, and I think Vegas is one of those teams. It doesn't matter what they do. They just seem to push all the right buttons. And when a player puts on that Golden Knights jersey, it's like they're rejuvenated. It's just kind of a rebirth to their game. And that's why I just think they're going to be that. They're just going to be so hard to knock off this year. Just yeah. I, I love watching them play. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, it has a lot to do with the ownership, you know, and, and the way the organization yeah. is run and from the top down to the bottom. I mean, you, you, you got to look at the top teams here that are the favorites, right? And that's really what it's all about. And then, and then you look at the, you know, even teams like the Devils and the Rangers and, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Buffalo right now, but other teams that have good structure in the front office there, um, and guys behind the bench that, that, you know, there's something to look forward to. So it's a, it's a nice contrast, and and that's what's great about the game. Steve, last thing before I let you go, I got to ask you. I mean, do you, a guy like you who's a Devils fan, and I know you love hockey so much. Will you turn in? Will you tune in for the carnage between the Rangers and Allen tonight? That's uh, that's must see TV if you're a hockey fan. I think it's I think it's going to be outstanding. And you know, it's crazy. I was thinking about it. Imagine a guy like Zajac and Palmieri who've had so many struggles with the Devils. They get traded to the Islanders. The Islanders are flying, and then all of a sudden, the Islanders just miss the playoffs. Wow! By the Rangers from the and it was all because of the Rangers. That would be. That would be so tragic. So Buddy, yeah, I got much- I got the screenplay right here. I'm writing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in for sure. Oh man, it's going to be good stuff. And Steve-O, you are always good stuff here at THS. Great stuff as always. Love talking to you, man. It's going to be great. Uh, the playoffs. I can't wait to talk about it with you and the rest of the guys here the rest of the way uh, because that's really the fun stuff. Um, you know, it's been great talking about the, all the other teams here. Uh, but the playoffs are just going to be something super, and uh, we got so much to look forward to. Steve-O, you're the best, man. Have a great week, uh, a great weekend. Stay safe. Best of the family. We'll catch up to you next week, buddy. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care, man. You got it. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, as always, giving us some great stuff here on the Devils and that Western Division. Woo! And he's back in the building. You got to love it. It's great stuff. And you know what? That does it for this week's edition of that hockey show. So on behalf of myself, Paulie here, Steve-O, Tab, Joe, and Costa, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and enjoying the show and supporting us every week. So enjoy the games, everybody. There's a ton of them on tonight. And by the time we get here next week, we'll have a good idea on who's in and who's out. All right? So enjoy it. Stay safe and healthy. And as always, keep your head up. THS is out. <laughs>